Zito from seventh to first in the final event. You are a champion. And Oleksiak has done it! The girl from the six has got six Olympic medals. The substitute for Canada just about gets it through. It's a glory gold for Canada. Kathy Lifty goes up to Graham, takes the lead, looks a winner, draws away from Graham and Mary. This is a famous victory, a magnificent performance. It is Off the Podium, an Olympics podcast coming to you today for a special episode because can you believe it? We are now officially less than a year away to Paris 2024. Only a couple of days ago, we crossed the barrier one year to go to Paris 2024. So we are now here to talk about looking ahead to Paris 2024 because we have all the breaking news on off the podium when it comes to everything that is going to be happening in the next 12 months going to be in olympics they're going to be in france thanks for joining us on off the podium it has been a pleasure having your company on this award-winning podcast in all seriousness we're excited we're going to speak french but none of us can do that one of us lives in a country where they sort of speak french so maybe he can join us let's introduce him first because i guess he kind of is halfway connected to paris because there are french people in canada it's Colin Hilding. That is the worst introduction I have ever done on this show. I, I mean, I mean, you're not totally off because I am, I think, legally obligated to say both hello and bonjour uh, at the start of every episode. I've just have failed for the first six, seven years. So are you just saying after 300 episodes of the show that we're going to get sued, basically, that you're going to you got to go back like Justin's no. listening to this. He's like, no, you know, no, we I'm just going to jail. Oh. You guys are in the clear. That's fine. We're, that's expected of one of us eventually anyway. Uh, also, speaking of France, it's a man who knows it exists. It's Jared Lubick. Jared, welcome back to Off the Podium. Thank you. Uh, thank you for uh, acknowledging my uh, acknowledgement of France existing. It's kind of like we've got to, you know, in Australia, how we're going to like do an acknowledgement of country or welcome to country. It's like from now on, every episode of Off the Podium, and we'd like to take this opportunity to acknowledge France exists. Thank you for your time. Uh, and hello, I want to say to our video viewers, because this is the first time we've ever released an episode that isn't an interview of us. So I don't think you've ever seen Jared before. So No, um, I, I haven't seen Jared before. That's what he looks like, everyone. There he is. He's got a face. He's got ears. He's got a nose. Probably got other bits too. He's in a room. He is. He's got, he's got walls. Do you have oxygen in that house, Jared? I do, but uh, I didn't invent it. So that's unfortunate. <laughs> You're just not from Birmingham. So that's, that's, that's we're going we're to work on that. But seriously, Paris 2024, we're less than a year away. This is our, I guess, technically fourth one of these looking ahead to episodes. We technically didn't do one for Tokyo. That was more of a, oh, shit, they were postponed. We should talk about that. First time for a Summer Olympics, we've really done a proper one of these. But it's given we had two Olympics so close to each other, we're here to talk about another one. That feels like we're just talking about the Olympics all the time. I'll start with you, Colin. How are you feeling? Paris, the Summer Olympics. We're going back to a, a city where they've had them before. Just like Tokyo, just like London, Rio didn't have them before. We're just recycling the cities. After 100 years, we're going back to Paris. Yeah, uh, and we all have fond memories of the last time oh, we were in Paris. Remember too. it vividly. Yep. Uh, but, but I actually think that's one of the reasons why I'm excited is because we're we're going somewhere. It's not just we're going somewhere that I haven't seen within my lifetime, but 
I keep thinking about, especially since we did like the um, the the opening ceremonies episodes that we've done, where I'm like, wow, now I'm really thinking about how different this might look, and it's not just going to be your typical Olympics. You know, the opening ceremonies alone, I think uh, I'm getting really excited about, but. I feel like Paris is just creeping up on us really quickly. Like there's been multiple times over the last couple months where I've thought to myself, wait, like next year is going to be Paris. <laughs> where did this come from? It feels like we just had two Olympics within the last couple of years, which we kind of did. Uh, maybe that's the reason why it's creeping up. You you get through this rush of Tokyo and Beijing back to back, and then you assume oh, I'm going to have a few years break. And then those few years just go by like that. I guess we've covered a few events too. I guess there's Commonwealth games. Well, I mean, we're, in the middle of covering a women's world cup right now as well so there's a few other things and i just want to point out that uh my strong memories of paris 1924 i mean who could forget ernst linda winning the individual dressage i mean just oh it just gives me chills thinking about it thoroughly deserved jared i know he was one of your favorites but uh, i don't want to get you emotional uh, how are you feeling speaking of emotional paris 2024 when we're, we're nearly there sort of i'm pumped i just have like a feeling that it's going to be I don't know. Expectations are high. I just think it's going to be an amazing Olympics. I'm expecting big things from like the opening and closing ceremony. Um, and I just get the feeling they want it and they're going to put money behind it. But that's what we want. <laughs> that's what the IOC needs, I think. Because this is obviously a very unique Olympics in the fact that this is sort of the games and this cycle where it started this now unique way of awarding an Olympics. So, of course, Paris... And LA were bidding for these Olympics after 58,000 other cities ended up dropping out of it. So then the IOC were like, well, here's an idea. How about you just share the next two? And LA were like, no, we're American. We want these Olympics too. And Paris were like, we're French. We want them too. And the IOC were like, well, one of you usually runs away. But <laughs> here's an idea. Because it's the 100th anniversary of Paris, how about you do that in LA? You just be nice and you can have 2020. And they're like, all right, sure, whatever. And they did it. So that's that. I had the complete insight from the IOC papers. That's how it all worked out. So it is kind of very unique. But I have to say, when when Paris got the Olympics, it was a long time coming. I think they'd bid about eighty-seven times in between nineteen twenty-four, and I don't, I don't even think you, there was that many Olympics. I think they just bid like five times per Olympics, and eventually they stuck. So it's, it is exciting. I think Colin, as you said, it's sort of it is a real rarity that you see like a world city like this have an Olympics. We saw London obviously have it a few years ago, which was sort of a, a big deal to kind of have one of these major global cities. And for France itself, Albeville 92 was the last time they even hosted any form of the Olympics. So it's been quite some time. So it is exciting to see a, a global city because, you know, no disrespect to Rio or Nagano. I just, I just don't think that we've had this outside of London. I mean, Sydney, I guess is a global city. I don't know. Uh, Winnipeg, Colin, would that be a global city if they hosted the Olympics? Winnipeg's not even a provincial city, uh, barely. <laughs> <laughs> that counts. I don't know. Maybe. I have no idea. I didn't actually have a question with that. I just was going on a, a long tangent there about a statement, apparently, about everything to do with that too. But just touching on the opening ceremony, you, you brought it up. It, it is this very unique way they're doing it. So it's going to be down the the Seine, basically. They're going to be just shoving a bunch of barges down there and it's going to be open up to the whole city of Paris and there's going to be only a certain section which is going to be seated, which I know when I first heard this idea, I was like, eh, do I like that? That kind of sounds a bit, you know, I'm a bit of a traditionalist. I like the stadium and everything. But then I saw Tokyo and I'm like, 
yeah, look, I think this will be fine. I don't think we could do yeah. much worse. And now the more and more I think about it, you see the concept images and the idea. I think this is going to be epic, Colin. I think this is going to be mm-hmm. set, a, set a standard for how opening ceremonies are going to be moving forward. Yeah, I mean, we, we all kind of like the look of uh, Lillehammer and, you know, the, the bottom of the hill and everything just being something different and out of the ordinary outside just your regular stadium. So, I mean, the visual is going to be fantastic. And uh, if I'm looking over like all the venues here and what their capacities are, and it's great to read because uh, we can look forward to equestrian can hold up to 80,000 people. That's Ooh, incredible. Basketball on. and How handball. How did I miss our tickets to equestrian in a minute? Back up. <laughs> It's very big in Paris. Sold out. Uh, <laughs> wow. Uh, we got football, 76,000 people. Um, uh, we got uh, surfing can hold up to 5,000 people. Uh, and then we have the opening ceremony venue, 600,000 person capacity. Like I I hated if they have the 601 person, 600,001 <laughs> so person who gets turned away. Yeah, so we just reached capacity, sir. You're going to have to go home. I did, can I just put that in clarification? The population of Tasmania is about 550,000. There are going to be more people at this opening ceremony that live in my home state. Uh, that That is absolutely crazy. I'm, I'm, I'm just blown away by the fact that 80,000 people, same with modern pentathlon, and that was legitimately the one I wanted to get tickets to, and I couldn't get it. I got tickets to golf. 35,000 people at Le Golf National. I'm going off at the golf. I can't wait. We'll talk about the venues a little bit more, I think, on this, because this is exciting. Jared, though, the opening ceremony, your, your thoughts as we get closer to this? Yeah, I'm just keen for something different. And like Colin said, with, like, Lillehammer, uh, just what made it so special was that it just did stand out from kind of, like, modern opening ceremonies and just everything kind of being set in the arena. Um, so this will be great, particularly with like all those people there. I feel like you'll get a real vibe of of the of the yeah of the ceremony just watching it. So I think that's gonna you know amp it up a whole level. And I think when they announced these games together with LA, I think LA came out first and were like, "We are going to do our opening ceremony in two stadiums." So they were going to spread it between the new SoFi Stadium and the old Coliseum, where they had the the thirty four and the eighty four Olympic opening ceremony, and that sounded a bit odd. And then this is there, so. Brisbane, over to you now. What you're going to do? Oh, we're going to have it in one stadium. Cool, the Gabba. Let's let's bring that on. But it is going to be unique. And I think as we're discovering in our opening ceremony series, and we talk about that mixture of projections versus props, given that it's going to be in a river, I don't know how much they're going to be able to do projections. So we might be back to old school props, like we, you know, like that might be a cool way of sort of looking at it. Or maybe they're just going to have the Eiffel Tower or something along that line. That's like falling over and I don't know, knocking over the Eiffel Tower. Hey, everyone. They're going to they're gonna knock over the Eiffel Tower just for the spectacle of it. I, I'm still saying that that has to be the cauldron, that that has to be. They have to somehow, yeah. like, we saw it in Men in Black. It erased the memory of the world in Men in Black, right? Like, that is just perfect that they can somehow turn that into a cauldron in some form or another. But we saw it with the handover ceremony in Tokyo when they sort of crossed over to Paris and they had that digital flag which, oh, it's the world's... Li- no, it wasn't the world's largest fa- flag. It was fake, everyone. It, I think that that kind of gave you a bit of a, an insight into maybe what we're going to see. It was a bit disappointing that we didn't get much in the stadium in Tokyo, but we still obviously got that. Of course, the closing ceremony does switch back to the more traditional way. It will be in the Stade de France. Uh, boo! So, <laughs> boo for France! <laughs> Put it, it should just be the entire country, right? It should just be in all of Paris and the French country gets it. 
Uh, but it is sort of unique. And then even you, t- you touched on surfing. Of course, that is in Tahiti. So it is on the other side of the world. I believe this will be the first time since Melbourne 1956 when we literally have something on the other side of the planet because they had the equestrian in Sweden when Australia had the Olympics in 1956. So uh, it is going to be a unique Olympics. And it's also on the 100th anniversary of Paris 1924, which I think kind of adds a little bit. Colin, what are you hoping? from? Par- what is your favourite memory of the Paris 1924 opening ceremony? I hope they revisit along the Seine just to bring back. Uh, it, it probably would have been when they held surfing in Bermuda and Jamaica, and we, I want to take you. <laughs> I want to I, I want to backpedal here for a second because I don't remember Equestrian from Sydney. Uh, is there no Melbourne. places for? But but there's no places for horses to. It was it to was, actually run in in Australia. No no it was it was a thing because like in the fifties because it was such a long trip they couldn't get quarantine because of our our strict laws in Australia so they basically would have had to send the horses, I think, like six months out from the Melbourne Olympics. So they're like, okay, it's just easier for us to have the equestrian in Europe still. Whereas I think they had planes in Sydney. So um, by then we could have horses come to Australia, right? We don't allow horses in Australia, only prisoners. Um, That that was the the law. Was that a convict joke? (laughs) Wow. That hurts our feelings, Colin. It hurts one of your feelings. (laughs) Jared's hurt Ben knows it's true jared jared it's one of them hey i didn't actually think i have convict blood in me do you have convict blood in you jared i meant horse yeah oh you meant horse <laughs> well uh <laughs> how good looking is it um <laughs> i don't know let's not open that can of worms um obviously we like to talk about sort of looking ahead to the sports and the events there's one that we're going to be talking about in just a moment but interesting fact about paris this will be the first Olympics that there have ever actually been less events than the previous Olympics. So we're actually losing, sorry, the first is 1960. I thought it was of all time, 1960. I'll correct myself there. So this has 10 less events than Tokyo. And I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that we're losing three sports. Well, I guess baseball, softball, one sport. So two sports you're technically losing and karate, even though you're adding breaking, which we will get to. But before we talk about that, because I think that deserves its own little uh, section, the the other sort of events that have been changed, it's not really like the Winter Olympics, whereas we always talk about, they've got scope in a Winter Olympics to kind of just go like, you have four new events, you do this, you do that, you have the big air twisty monobob and one and this, that and everything else. With the Summer Olympics, because they're so tight in terms of the medals and the athletes and everything that they can include, basically if you introduce a new event, you've got to remove something from a sport. So we are seeing that in um, canoe. So we're losing two sprint events to get new two new slalom events. So two more gold for Jess Fox there. That's basically what they're doing. She's half French, right, Jared? So that's what they're basically doing, like a home Olympics for you. Um, weightlifting has lost four events. I guess people can't lift certain weights anymore. I don't know. <laughs> they run out of money for why, why do you lose wins in weightlifting like that's a weird one to to lose into it um and sports climbing gets technically two new events because rather than a combined where you have all three of the disciplines they're separating them to have a speed climbing and a boulder and lead section so rather than having speed climbing boulder and lead all together you have speed climbing one boulder and lead separate if that makes sense and then, of course, we gain breaking, which 
Shall as I know, anything to add on Knuth, Brit and Slalom and weightlifting and Jared? I know you're itching at the bit to talk about the, the losing of the weightlifting. I feel like that's a good decision, right? I mean, <laughs> softball and baseball, that's messed up. Yeah. Um, but it, it'll be back, so that's okay. Um, sport climbing, yeah, but keep keep the combined event, I say. Yeah. Give them four. Give them four <laughs> events. <laughs> All in one, you got to climb up fast and jump and be technical yeah. together. We need to like crown the overall like the best, yeah. and not just these people who can do one ninja warrior, not the other. Not good enough. Yeah. yeah, like just have like you know international Olympic ninja warrior basically go on there. That that would work. Dressage on the speed climbing, like they got to lift their leg a little bit as they climb really fast. I I, I don't like that idea. Colin, anything to you know thinking about less weightlifting but more sport climbing. Like when you lose events in canoe or weightlifting, really that's going to impact the athletes more than it's going to impact the viewers. The viewers don't really know the difference between the events. They're so like, oh, it's this distance, is this think, weight limit or whatever. sprint and slalom are slightly different when it comes to <laughs> canoeing. I don't know about you, but I notice the difference. No, but 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 the average viewer watching is going to be like, we've got canoe still. They're not going to know <laughs> what you lost from canoe. It's like... It, you know, it, it's like snowboarding, like who even really remembers the the slalom portion of the snowboarding, right? Uh, but uh, I mean, I think that where I wish that they had, like Jared said, kept the combined event for sport climbing because it was interesting to watch. But the problem was it was not accessible for your average viewer. Yeah. Uh, there was no TV coverage here for it. I don't even know how much they even recapped it. And for me to watch it, you know, I had to basically commit to watching six hours straight. So by separating those events, you're obviously allowing for your average viewer to tune in for an hour or whatever and not have to commit an entire day to it. Uh, but we're kind of losing the excitement of that combined event. So it, it would have been nice if they found a way to maybe just remove another weight class in weightlifting and then give them their fourth event. Are you, are you disappointed we don't have a mixed gender um, sport climb? Because we, well, again, we know you this- love your mixed events. <laughs> It, it, and there's some of them that work. There's some that don't. Uh, <laughs> I but, don't even need to just trigger him. That, that's easy to do, Jared. I just say sport climbing relay would be amazing. <laughs> that, see, that would work. I mean, that, but I, I, I'm actually surprised that we're we're having less sports though, because I would have assumed, oh, almost everything's going to have a combined event coming into Paris based on you know the what we've seen over uh, both Beijing and Tokyo. Well, I wanted to add, I thought like, well, let's go back 100 years to see who won the sport climbing at the Paris Olympics in 1924. Obviously, unfortunately, we didn't have it. But of course, we famously had art competitions in the 1924 <laughs> Paris Olympics. So we had literature. Uh, so I'm going to, let's butcher the French name here, but Joe Charles won the gold medal for Jeux Olympiques. Very uh, standard there that a French person writing something about the Olympics would win gold. Margaret Stewart. So this must have been mixed events in literature. So very progressive, the Paris 1924 Olympics. Margaret Stewart and Joseph Peterson won uh, equal silver for Denmark and Britain. And then bronze, Charles Gonnet for Verli du Olympique for France, tied with Oliver Gogarty for Ode to the Talaton Games in, um, in literature. Painting. We had Luxembourg win a gold medal in that one. Sculpture, Greece. Now, but I just want to point out, though, in architecture and music, okay? So uh, for music, it says here gold, none awarded. Silver, none awarded. Bronze, none awarded. So basically, the French are like, ha-ha, no, you're shit. We're not giving any medals. But it gets better for architecture. 
Bronze. Julien Medicine for Monaco. He won a bronze for Stadium for Monte Carlo. Convenient. Uh, the silver was shared between two Hungarians, Alfred Harjos and Deso Lauba, who won silver for Plan for a Stadium. Good. They wrote down on a piece of paper, I'm going to plan for a stadium. Have an Olympic silver medal. The gold medalist for architecture, none awarded. Uh, so basically... Yeah, I- I think the gold medalist got caught. Uh, that was a drug cheat. So uh, <laughs> that got taken away. And it had an HB pencil and he's meant to have a 2B pencil. Basically, oh, no, you've got extra lead in that pencil. How, how does that work? Like, how do you go? None of these are good enough to win a gold medal, but we'll give a silver and a bronze. And in music, yeah, we'll give a fourth place and a fifth place, but we won't give a gold medal. I, I, I think bring them back. That's what I say. I just don't see how you can have a dead heat in those events. Yeah. <laughs> Surely you're able to separate <laughs> and not just award out multiple medals. Surely. Oh, literature. Oh, these are so good. I just, I can't, like, I can't. Def- Same amount of spelling mistakes. We, we can't separate them. Yeah, That's it. <laughs> I know. I just, I can't do it. I really can't just understand it. Um, so uh, bring back. I mean, esports was on the cusp, right? And <laughs> esports has kind of got this weird thing where the IOC were like, no. Esports, no to the Olympics. But now they're running the Olympics esports series right now. So it's like you're just trying to cash in on this craze at the same time. I have no idea. Breaking though, let's talk about it. We've had a couple of athletes on this show already learning about it. There's a Canadian world champion in breaking. So this could be actually a real medal prospect for this Colin. We, we poked a bit of fun of it. We've talked about it over the years and had a bit of a laugh, but I've come around Speaking to a couple of athletes on this show, I don't know if neither of you listened to our chats that we had there with Gerard and Ray Gunn as well. Jared, breaking. What are you? What are your thoughts as we get close? Have you had a chance to check it out a little bit more? I haven't, and I. But I feel like I kind of want to go in blind. I don't want to set up expectations for this because I think it's going to be like I'm here for any new sport. Like really, like darts, sure, like whatever. <laughs> hey, um, don't knock darts when you watch that on TV. That's very exciting. But this, like, it's going to be amazing. And I'm all here for like these sports where it gets really uh, subjective in terms of judging and there's yeah. controversy. I think that's just that's more fun. Well, in all seriousness, we joke about the arts a hundred years ago. This is the closest we will have to arts because as we've heard through our interviews, it is very subjective. Like for example. The breakers don't know what music they are dancing to, and it's all very free form. They don't have like a pre-planned routine. They kind of just feel the music, and then they kind of go to it. So, and a lot of breakers don't consider themselves athletes; they are artists. So, this is something that is very close to being an art at an Olympics rather than a sport. Colin, they were very close to competing in literature they were, as well. <laughs> none awarded. Uh, actually, I see that breaking nineteen twenty four. None awarded. Oh, okay. Uh, your thoughts, though, on, on breaking? Like Jared, I kind of want to go in blind. I don't know what I'm going to see. Um, and, I mean, we're, we're going to get a preview of this during the Pan Am Games in a couple of months. Uh, I remember with surfing, like, I, I definitely seen some surfing on TV, but presented as a sport. I remember watching it during the, the Pan Am Games um, uh, back in 2019 and being like, ooh, I'm not sure how I feel about this. So I have a, I have a better feeling about breaking, though, because if nothing else, it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, that's the difference between skateboarding, I think, and surfing and breaking. Is you can at least have a soundtrack in the background, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I actually really like that idea that they don't know what the song is. I want to see 
the the reactions from people is they're getting ready. They're like, they're stretching and everything. And all of a sudden the music hits and it's like something like absolutely hideous. Like, like, I don't know. Um, what's that? What's that? Uh, uh, O-Town, um, the boy band stuff from the early nineties, uh, or uh, something terrible like Taylor Swift, you know, just get a song, (laughs) just get like this song that nobody wants to dance to. And you're embarrassed. If nothing else, I don't want to see some embarrassment from people. Who are like, I get Taylor Swift. <laughs> like, of all things, this is what I have to draw. So basically, they get out on the mat and they start hearing, do, no, 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 And they're like, ah, fuck. <laughs> God, I was preparing for Beyonce. Who's, who's <laughs> going to get the cotton eye Joe draw? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Scatman John. What other sports could they do that for? Like, athletics? Like, just as they get to the line? Oh, I hope I'm running 100 and you are running the marathon. Go. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You got the marathon. You got like all the Kenyans and Ethiopians. All right. Ready to go. Hour and a half. And the 100 meters. Go. (laughs) That'd be fun, wouldn't it? You know, like just do that. Like all these athletes get up into like a soccer pitch and they're ready to go. And like, all right. And here's a horse. You're doing dressage. Like, just open it up to everyone. I'd be involved with Kenny that. Kenny Alexiak getting ready for her eighth medal all of a sudden. And architecture, design <laughs> <Yeah>. a stadium. <laughs> a musician's there. Oh, I didn't win in a... They didn't win... Award any of these medals out there. And like, and archery, hit a bow and arrow, go. <laughs> oh, I might be in a shot with this. Might actually be a shot with that, huh? I got that. Um, that wasn't planned, but that was funny. That was, that was, that was quite good. Uh, the venues, though, spread out. The majority of them are around the, the Paris area. But as we kind of talked about, Tahiti does have the surfing. Did you? Was that? Who, who was that? Well, have you scoffed at that before? Jared, you had a bit of a laugh in your face there. No, we don't, we don't like this idea of surfing on the other side of the world. No? I think they should have had to put up with it. <laughs> you got the Olympics. Yeah. You don't have any waves <laughs> on the coast. They've got surfing at the south of France, don't they? Like, I don't know. That's a good point, Barbie. actually. You get the Olympics, deal with it. Okay. <laughs> like, oh, look at me. We don't, we don't have a football stadium. Uh, you know, we're in Tahiti. Tahiti should host the whole Olympics. You know? Stick them in the whitewater course, honestly. <laughs> not that difficult. Yeah. Save some money. Well, I, I mean, it, it is a little bit weird, though, because, like, you wonder, is there nowhere closer? And we kind of didn't think it was that big of a deal back in Tokyo, but, like, the... Um, the race walkers and the marathoners yeah to them they're like i'm competing like two hours away from tokyo i'm so disconnected from the olympics and they hated that i can't imagine i mean, I mean it's probably gonna be different considering like these are surfers are they really gonna know where they are you know, in the middle of the event but like i i do feel for them it's like you're not really gonna have the opportunity to be part of the olympic experience you got your own like tiny olympic village i guess the argument is france owns tahiti so it's like it's still france like, I mean, you know, Australia, we spread out the soccer during the Sydney Olympics, like Adelaide hosted games, Brisbane hosted games. I think we'll do it again, uh, you know, for Brisbane as well. I've Googled surfing in France. There is surfing in France. Uh, apparently Normandy. I mean, get shot by some Germans at the same time. That's fresh. Like, <laughs> you know. Maybe some bad memories of that one. Yeah, maybe. And the surfing at Normandy. And in come the Germans. Oops. Uh, no, we're not going to do that one again. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of like the fact that we do have a lot of like clusters of, of venues and there's obviously some really iconic areas. So like beach volleyball, for example, is going to be basically underneath the Eiffel tower. Obviously the tennis is going to be at Roland Garros, which is, you know, exciting there. We, this might be the first clay court Olympics. I'm guessing Barcelona in 92 might've had a clay court potentially, but, uh, 
Do you think Rafa is gonna isn't is he going around again next year? Do you reckon, or does he not give a shit? It's meant to be like his last year on tour, so if we he... will see. I'm like I'm excited that like I'm like well this like I mean he's already got a gold medal in singles, so nothing to prove really. Yeah, uh, unlike some other players who don't have a gold medal in singles. <laughs> um, oh, who could he be referencing? But I'm and now I'm like will will he qualify right? Hmm. Because he hasn't played, you know, since the Australian Open. By next year, he's not going to have a ranking. <laughs> like, surely they, surely they give him a wild card in. If I'm like the French Tennis Federation, but <laughs> you know, who knows? Well, he's never lost at Roland Garros, right? Like, isn't that some crazy stat? Or has he only lost there like once or twice or something like that? So three times, I think. Oh, okay, well, he sucks then. Clearly, he's not going to win. But God, <laughs> get better. Three times, Jesus! How many times has he has he won out there? I guess, but. I think like it's when it was safer, like when I was getting tickets, you sort of, you do see the scope though of outside of Paris where some venues are. So like Lille, for example, like the handball and like baseball is, is technically like 250 Ks from Paris, but then they've obviously got very fast trains in Paris to sort of get you there. And then soccer is obviously being spread right around the country as well when it comes to that. Uh, but like sort of within that Paris sort of district, there, there's quite a lot going on around there with that as well the fun fact here because obviously we're doing this like a year out from the olympics so you know we can't really talk necessarily a lot about oh he's who's qualifying that we're, we're sort of really down to quotas and who's been sort of uh giving quotas to their country so at the time of recording this 97 countries have qualified for paris 2024 so there you go congratulations uh to all the countries involved and i will say that australia at the time of uh this recording have qualified a total of 91 quota spots for the Paris Olympics. That does, of course, include like rugby sevens. Obviously, there's a few more people involved in that. Canada, pick your game up. Only 12. What's going on there? Come on, Colin. What, 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 12, 12 quota spots, less than a year to go. Come on, up your game. We, we, we like the anticipation. This is, this is all about uh, building tension. I can tell you the time of recording, and we should say we're recording this, say, like a, a week or so when we're actually releasing this episode. So by, literally by the time you're listening to this, the World Swimming Championships will be on right now, but they're obviously on uh, just a week away by the time we're recording this. But you have qualified for the sports of athletics, cycling, and gymnastics right now for Paris. Good job, Canada. Well done. Whereas the Austra big three. The big three. Whereas Australia, we've got <laughs> athletics, equestrian, rugby, seven, shooting, surfing, and swimming. So there you go. We've got swimmers. Colin, get <laughs> and surfers and surfers in all seriousness. I mean, it's obviously a little bit hard to kind of talk about the mood in the countries right now, because I guess, you know, we're in the middle of a women's world cup right now. There's a Pan Am games in a couple of months too. We've got a youth Olympics and everything. So it's really not forefront of the media landscape right now, but is there any discussion Colin about the Olympics? Any thoughts, prospects? We'll talk about sort of medal hopes shortly, but uh, anything going on in Canada? No, I mean, obviously, there's certain sports that uh, you, you, we'll, we'll get more to. Them. Obviously, soccer right now for women is getting a lot more attention. Who might we see in the Olympics? You know, a lot of the the big players were out injured. There's obviously talk, okay, well, there's still a chance for them next year for Paris. Um, I mean, Andre de Grasse is still making news pretty much every single week. I think the only one that's really been talked about a lot is Penny Alexiak because uh, headed into Tokyo she was very elusive. It's like, okay, is she going to compete? Is she not going to compete? She's not really doing the the world championship. She's not really doing this or that. Obviously, we saw her pull out of Birmingham last year, and now she's pulled out of the um, the world championships coming up. But yeah, the statement she made was, yeah, I still plan to compete in Paris. So 
I mean, she may just go in completely blind. Um, uh, I'm not going to She's have any competitions. Of, Good for her. Exactly. Yeah. She's decided she was, she wants to blindfold herself for now. It was too easy last time. Now I got to do it blind. Uh, but I mean, the, the big the big ones get talked about every once in a while. You know, whenever they happen to do an interview, are you planning to compete? I'm sure we got that question into Penny last year. Are you planning to compete into Paris? I'm glad you remember our great episode with Penny Alexiak now available via all good platforms. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can watch that. You can and some bad platforms too. Yeah, there are some really shit platforms. Don't listen to those in there. Um, Jared, again, it's a difficult one for us really to sort of talk about because. It's sort of, again, at the time of this being released, World Swimming Championships are happening. We've got some other events happening sort of closer to that. But, uh, I mean, just, I guess, your general vibe around Australia's head for the Olympics. Yeah, it's just, it's not really on anyone's mind, is it, at the moment. But I think we will get excited in the build-up. I think there's some sports that are uh, swimming, that I'm usually not particularly interested in, but this feels like a year in swimming where I think it'll be a lot of athletes last Olympics, kind of like the current, like top crop. Um, so in my mind, that's kind of, I suppose, an interesting thing to, to keep an eye on, uh, to see kind of how these swimmers, a lot of these swimmers who we've gotten to know over kind of the past, you know, two Olympics go out, whether they go out on a high or whether they, um, Campbell sister it, <laughs> which, did you did you see uh, that uh, I think old Kate was on the IOC social media platforms this week as a athlete special like took takeover? She was answering the fans' questions on uh, Instagram. So I didn't get mine in unfortunately. So uh, I'll, I'll try my best. If I bump into her in Paris next year, I'll be sure to play her all the clips of all the lovely things were said about her on this show. Um, now, just one thing though that I wanted to kind of go to is. You know, close the last time we sort of done these, we've had Grace Note, the the great company where they sort of do a medal predictions. They obviously do that a little bit closer. We're a year away. They haven't done one yet. But if we go to totally total Olympics, total Olympics, totally, it's a very weird spelling. It's basically total with Olympics after it. So totalympics.com. There you go. Uh, they have a tracker, essentially tracking the medal count through an Olympic cycle based on world championships throughout a four-year period. So I can tell you here an, uh, an overall tally based on purely just world championship wins at the time of recording this. Of course, obviously, something like the World Swimming Championships or Australia clearly have won 30 gold medals by now. We'll be a lot higher up on this one. But I can tell you the positions of both Australia and Canada and also our medalists in each of them. So... Right now, according to TotallyOlympics.com, Australia would be 10th on the medal tally with 15 gold, 17 silver, and 18 bronze, a total of 50. Canada would be 16th with 8 gold, 14 silver, 14 bronze, and 36 medals. So to just go over that. So Canada, for example, so your gold medalist, at least world champion since Tokyo, and I'm going to have to try and decipher some of these pictograms because, as we know, Paris's pictograms are slightly hard to understand. Uh, so, Jessica Klimkate, I'm going to guess that's weightlifting. Uh, no, we- she was judo. She was one of our I'm going to guess that's judo. Uh, <laughs> I, can't, I can't tell. It just says women's 57 uh, kilos. She's, she's changed sports. <laughs> <laughs> You well, were we, not happy with them reducing the number of categories in weightlifting. Said they need my support. She had to. She 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 stood with her sisters. Um. So she got that. 
In the women's canoe single C1 200 metres, Katie Vincent, uh, she is a reigning gold medalist. Uh, now, this is boxing. Tamaro Tabot yeah. uh, and the 75 kilos, world champion. You met her, didn't you? I did meet her back in the Commonwealth yeah. Games. I did. Summer McIntosh, of course, and the previous world championships, two world championship gold medals for there. The national team in the men's 4 by 100 meter relay at the World Athletics Championship. It's just called national team. Uh, there you go. Uh, this one, I'm guessing, is also judo. Krista Daguchi in the women's 57 kilo. Wait, she oh she won the 2023 World Championship where Jessica Klimkate won the 2021 World Championship. There you go. And here's your B-boy, your breaker, Philip Kim is the reigning world champion in men's b-boy in breaking. We got this. So in all seriousness, you could be the first ever inaugural breaking champion. I mean, these, I mean, Summer McIntosh, let's talk about her for a second. She's obviously a, a massive name. Well, she's like 12 in Tokyo, so now she's about 87. <laughs> so, and every time I jump online and see Devin talking about things, he's always talking about Summer McIntosh. I mean, is she yeah. basically the Penny Alexiak moving forward now? Is that who everybody's keeping an eye on for Canada? Yeah, I'm it, it, all the way back in Tokyo. Everybody knew in four years, this is the one that uh, we're all going to be talking about. Uh, I mean, I, I, I don't know whether she's on there or not, but Maggie McNeil as well. Uh, you know, she was kind of like a surprise gold medalist uh, in the last ones. But I, the majority of the talk is on Maggie McNeil and Summer McIntosh. Uh, I would say the Summer McIntosh probably gets more publicity here now than even someone like Andre de Grasse, who's still competing. Does she have a book coming out? I mean, Andre does. I, I is she hope on so. On the side of a cereal box? Yeah. Or... <laughs> <laughs> she will be. <laughs> this also does list like silver and bronze medalists here as well. And I just I just hate seeing Kylie Mass's name and silver. It's just, you know, it's just, it's like Colin Give and throwing chairs. Like, I mean, I want Kaylee to win more gold, but like, if I had to have one, Kylie, come on, Kylie, get yourself a gold. Do better, Kylie. Do better. Technically, technically broke our streak. Sort of. Maybe. Kind of. In the Australian side of things, I've got to question their logic here because um, I don't. I guess you might have seen this, Jared, judging on your reaction here. But uh, they do have Ash Barty here twice for winning women's singles twice. and women's singles. I'm guessing that's for Wimbledon and the Australian Open, which aren't really world championships. Uh, and also she has retired. So, although according to them, expired. Uh, <laughs> Ash Barty died, apparently. We didn't know. Um, Sally Fitzgibbons, Logan Martin, Jess Fox are on there. Elijah Winnington, best name ever in swimming, let's be honest. The national team in the women's 4x100. Sounds like one of those video games. Like, and the national team has won gold. Uh, Zach Studley Cook, Oz Network, uh, off the podium. He's probably on the Oz Network too, let's be the honest. The real best name ever. Exactly. Um, Jess Fox again, Kelsey Lee. But we've got to talk about our athletics team, don't we? I mean, two off the podium guests, Eleanor Patterson and Kelsey Lee Barber, both went on to win gold at uh, the World Champs last year. So uh, there you go. But, I mean, looking at this list, Jared, 15 gold medals, you know, I mean... Let's be honest, a bit down from uh, Tokyo, uh, two down. I-, I say we could do better. Yeah, what, what would happen with the Sailing World Championships? I know. We, we must have won at least four or five of those. Where, where's the Penny Alexia? We don't show up to the World Cup. We know the Olympics is where it's at, right? <laughs> What's going to happen if Esther Ledecka comes in and decides to compete oh. in sailing? She would win. All these predictions are going to be out the window. Who cares? She, she's showing up. To, she's a B-girl. She's dancing. She's doing <laughs> sculpture. She, she's so good. 
She will win a gold medal for music music at the 1924 none awarded Esther yeah, Decker. She, she's finally going to clean up with that gold medal they've been waiting to award for 100 years. She got architecture gold, Esther Decker. <laughs> That's what she did. She's the cauldron for the Olympics. She just stands there and they light her on fire, but because she's so good, she doesn't burn. She radiates beauty. She's like, I'm Esther Decker. I am the, the cauldron for the Olympics. You're welcome. ISE, Thomas. And actually, we should mention, in all seriousness, hello, Thomas, gold medalist, uh, Olympic champion fencing, will be his last Olympics. This is his last Olympics in his final term, which will be good because, again, I think he's still wrapping up his Rio speech. So um, (laughs) he might be good. Are we sad to see the end of of Thomas, Colin? Uh, I'm I'm sort of sad because I'm thinking – is the next uh, president going to provide Australian. us with as much great material? It's John Coates. Uh, is it? It's got to be. I it? mean, John's been hovering around, sucking nose for a few hundred years, and he's ready to go, isn't he? Come on. <laughs> we, we, we just we need somebody who can give us some some comedy material. Like, that's all I really want. I could care less who they are or how they do their job. Just make us laugh, you know? So, give us something to make us laugh with. So what you're saying is I'm in with a shot. I'm actually in with a shot. I said laugh, Ben, <laughs> laugh. I'm in with a shot because I'm just going to point this out. Why, why is that funny? <laughs> oh. oh, good one, Ben. Oh, comedy gold from Ben Waterworth. Oh. See, you agree with me. There you go. Jared, so people are watching video now. They can see you that by, by for the incredible video, yeah. lips. <laughs> I'm going to puppet. I'm going to get a little Colin puppet made. Uh, <laughs> Jared, are you excited or sad? Excited? Are you excited to see the back of Thomas Bark? I like. I think it's overdue, but there's part of me that but this is stupid because he hasn't left yet. It's already nostalgic. Yeah. Oh. It's like, oh, poor Thomas. It's like, but I mean, he'll be get to do things that he enjoys doing. You know, counting in his spare time. <laughs> so that'll be good. That's a good hobby for his retirement. I've, I've got to say though that, like, it, you're right. It's a bit nostalgic because Thomas Bach's been the IC president for pretty much as long as we've existed. He, yeah. Rio was his first Olympics. You know. So, like, it's kind of like, oh, it's in the end of an era. We never got to talk about Jacques, rest in peace. Juan Antonio, rest in peace. Like, they drop like flies when they get out of the presidency. I mean, <laughs> keep an eye on Thomas Bach, Olympic champion fencing for the next few years because he might not be with us for very long. It's like the Pope. Like, do they have to just, like, when they go, do they just, like, get light some white smoke? And, like, hey, we've got a new Pope, everyone. You want to see president. I'm seeing here that, in all seriousness, uh, a forefront there's a couple of women that are, are sort of the forefront, so they're thinking that we might have our first female IOC president, which I guess we're a Jew. A couple of hundred years of the I, well, not a couple of hundred, 130, 40 years of the IOC. Do they have names? No, they don't. They're just women. <laughs> all women become the president. Um, Kirsty Coventry, she's a Zimbabwean champion swimmer, is she not? Or is she a cyclist? She was a, a swimmer. Swimmer. She was a swimmer. I knew this. Architect. <laughs> Musician, <laughs> breaker. <laughs> I'll, I'll stick to my guns there, Jared. I, 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 I there. That'd be cool. Um, so there you go. She was uh, the chair of the coordination commission for the 2032 Olympics in Brisbane. So uh, poor old John Coates sitting around. It's got to be Esther, though. Ah, <laughs> oh, she's she's automatically just president. She just <laughs> she just became president when she won gold. That's what you do. It's <laughs> like it's a it's a cheat lock cheat code. Whenever you win two gold in two different sport, you automatically become. I see. I'm a bit sad now that I talk about this about loud. Thomas, 
Well, let's let's all get next year for Paris Thomas Bach t-shirts. You won't be sad when you hear his speech. No. <laughs> and you'll be like, yep, okay, move yeah, it along. I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for it. I actually, I just want to say, at the time of, um, of recording this, um, I may have just actually been invited. Thomas Bach? I may have been invited to a media roundtable with Thomas Bach. So um, perhaps we register our interest. And we, we come up with a collective question where it clearly is, is it law that by saying your name we have to say the words <laughs> Olympic champion fencing afterwards? Um, but I don't know. Maybe we get our listeners or our viewers to send in, what do you want to ask Thomas Bach? You go, one, we just get one question. Just just start your submissions now. Yeah. <laughs> Quickly, because it, it will take a while to answer it. So <laughs> by the time you get to it. But uh We'll come up with stuff. We'll come up with something. That that's exciting there. Uh, two two things I wanted to actually before I before I move on, I should mention on that that medal tally. They have America on top. Uh, no surprise. China second. Japan third. France fourth. Britain fifth. Come on, they've dropped off since London. Uh, where have they got the Netherlands seventh? They're always like up there, aren't they? <laughs> These predictions always put the Dutch there. Uh, and also very excited to see that Tajikistan are on track to win a bronze. So. That's... Notice you skipped New Zealand again. Oh, fuck. I don't know. What are they on? Uh, six gold, five silver, five bronze. Uh, so what are they winning? Well, probably all just rowing. Rowing, yes. <laughs> rowing cycling. Yeah. There's less canoe. Well, they've got um, sailing on theirs, men's dinghy. Where's, <laughs> where's ours? Um, so, yeah. Anyway, um, just uh, touching on just the broadcasting of it. So CBC, are they contracted? Are yeah. you aware of Colin? So that won't change at all for. Yeah. They, as far as I know, there's only one Olympics they didn't have ever. And they, they in between every Olympic cycle, they run every Saturday afternoon. Still to this day, they run our Olympics preview. So, I mean, it'll be a huge waste if they don't end up getting it. Uh, I'm assuming they got it awarded well ahead of time. Though. Well, there's a great show and you'll hear about, talk us a little bit about it uh, with somebody in a couple of months, a very big name who also has appeared on this very show I'm about to mention. Uh, America are doing a show called Chasing Gold Paris 2024 on NBC Peacock, which if you, I mean, sneaky way of watching it if you're in Australia, shh, don't tell anyone, is uh, use a VPN and go to their YouTube channel. It's on there for free. It's, it's a great show and it's sort of just, they do it once a month and kind of, it's obviously very American-based, like these are the people, these are the Americans, we're dominating the world, we're America. But it is kind of a very cool little show to watch. But Jared, for us, Channel 9, no more Channel 7. The last time they ever had an Olympics, I worked for them. So I'm sorry, Channel 7. Oh, I now lost, we know they lost it. <laughs> I lost you the Olympics. My bad. Um, but, like, I know a lot of people were sort of, you know, grown a little bit with this. It's 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 odd for me. Having worked with Channel 7 now and seeing it, like, I, I you know, a bit of a soft spot. And they are the Olympic network. We've talked about this. You think Olympics in Australia, you think Channel 7. No more Bruce. It's going to be weird. But growing up, I was always a Channel 9 fanboy. That was always my network. You know, that was still the one, Channel 9. That was always the one I liked. And I'm one of the few people who are like, Vancouver and London weren't that bad. I thought they did a decent job. I don't know how you're feeling about it, but I'm somewhat okay with Channel 9 hosting the Olympics. And they've got them for the next 10 years, so we've got to get used to them. Oh, yeah. I mean, it will give us new content. I mean, that's the main thing, right? Yeah. That's what we need. New network to bag out, new enemies to make, uh, new people to hate on. Um you're right, though. It just it feels wrong, but I'm sure eventually we'll uh, come around to it. 
I just, the thing is, it's it's kind of not like 2010 or 2012 when they've got obvious names, right? Like, I know Eddie's still floating around the furniture there, but he's not really there as much anymore. I mean, who are going to have? Carl Stefanovic kind of doing stuff? Uh, somebody from Married at First Sight is going to be host? I mean, I just, I can't tell you an obvious Channel 9 personality. Like, I, I don't know, Todd Woodbridge? I mean, you're doing the tennis, surely, won't it? That's about all I can think of. Yeah, that's it. Um, <laughs> that is like, but literally, that's it. <laughs> Channel Nine person who can come in and do commentary. St- Steve Jacobs still around? <laughs> I haven't watched Channel. I don't really watch free to air TV anymore. What else does Channel Nine even have? Um, underbelly? <laughs> is uh, what's his name? Guyton Grantly around still? Um, I don't know. That's the weird thing. They don't really have standout personalities anymore in Channel Nine, but. We, we welcome you to the Olympics, uh, Channel 9. It's that time of the episode, though, gentlemen. You've been sitting here for 47 minutes, and you're going, Ben, you haven't mentioned the one thing that we're here to talk about, and let's, let's, let's get visual. If you're watching us right now on the video, hello, because we're about to be joined by a friend. Uh-oh, here he is. It's old Fridgey. Now, I've, I've, I've actually looked up the producer. It's Fridge. Fridge, fridge, fridge. Fergie. It's Fergie. <laughs> Who are you, Ben Waterworth? Um, it's the mascot, if everybody's listening to Ferg. They've literally gone, oh, God, they've gone all visual now. They don't need to tell us what they're talking about. The mascots, it's our favourite part of every Olympics that we get to talk about. And I just want to point out, I re-listened to our Looking Head to Beijing and our underwhelming reaction to Bing Dwen Dwen. I want to formally apologise to anybody who ever <laughs> sat through that crap two years ago. God damn it, how could we ever undertalk the great Bing Dwendwen? But we're here to talk about Frige, which we, we it's a glove. Or as somebody explained to me, um, it's a uterus, because if you turn it upside down, it kind of does look a bit like a uterus. So, um, Colin, that's Is that a, what they look like? That's a part of a female <laughs> body. You should look that one up. It's not a glove. It's actually a hat. Did we talk about this when we ranked it? That This is actually meant to be based off a Frisian cap which was used in the French Revolution. So uh, a symbol of revolutions, Militant. the French Republic and freedom. The Phrygian cap can be seen on the French national icon Marianne, depicted in busts at town hall across country, as well as on stamps, and is also covered in the national curriculum in schools. So there you go. Um, and according to paris2024.org forward slash en forward slash mascots, our mascots want to play a role in the lives of French people and help bring more sport into our everyday life. And what could be better than little Phrygian caps to lead this revolution through sport? Which I'm saying right now, I fucking love this thing. I love Frige. He's my favorite. We only ranked him 19th on the thing. I want a redux. I want a Frige redux because look at this thing, everyone. Look at it. Look how cute Frige is. Jared, come on. Jump on the Frige train. I am... Getting on board. I'm still upset. I mean, I'm, I'm upset that Gil the Guillotine lost out. Like, if you were going to do Revolution, <laughs> surely that was the way to go. But um, there's so much opportunity for uh, for, for good old Ferg to get uh, stuck in a door. <laughs> yeah. It screams door, doesn't it? Like, it's just, you've got to love these mascots where, like, you think about somebody in the suit. And there's a few videos of when they announce it, right? Like, there's no obvious arm area. Like, these aren't arms. These are just, like, flappy bits, right? So, like... Arms are constricted into here. And again, if, you, if you're listening to us, yeah, we've gone all modern. Like, we've gone all video So Tune into YouTube. Subscribe to us while you're there. Like, you can't move in it. So you've just got, like, legs, right? 
and then you're just moving around. And even the the Paralympic one with obviously the the the, the blade, you're gonna have even more difficulty with that one there. But Colin, if you come around on Frege, on Ferg, on Fergalicious, he's Frege delicious. You're trying so hard to make us come around on it. Um, no, not completely, oh. but like I, I, I still I see potential. Uh, I, I especially when you mentioned getting stuck in the door. What I'm actually hoping for is that Frege here falls into a pool and tries to paddle with the little flappy thingies with no arm movement, attempting to tread water. It's like let's like, just think about the the amount of disasters that Frege can get into. Uh, yeah, no, that'd be a back float, surely. Yeah. <laughs> Down the river for the opening ceremony. Yeah, <laughs> like it's like you can sort of like pin its legs up like that. Oh look, Frege is dip breaking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Break dancing. <laughs> <And> spinning. <laughs> Woo! Um, this, this is why we need to do more video episodes. We can be so funny. Um, but like, look, look. How can you not like? And sorry to keep calling it a he, they, them. Probably like I'm sure you can get left them. Uh, speak the French, but chap, I mean, Colin, look at it. Look at that face. Like, I still wonder with like the ribbons that come out of the side of its French, face. Like it's French, on. It's like... le tricolor. Le, le, tri, le tricolor. Le bleu. It, le rouge. <laughs> le white. I don't know. You can't remember. You say it that looks French. like It looks like it's only got eyelashes on one eye. That's what it looks with like to me. Gender neutral. Nah, hair's growing out of a mole. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> like, I mean. Big Dwendin didn't have a Chinese flag sticking out of it, did it? You know, it's got a logo on it. See? We'll talk about the logo. That, that hasn't really changed. It's still pretty bland, right? But, like, I and like I got ahead of the curb because I'm going next year and I've got to sell out. Big Dwendin sold out. What? Like, come on. This is going to be, like, the, the worst-selling mascot in history and Beth's going to be holding that's on to Izzy it. That's easy behind me. You leave Izzy alone, <laughs> all right? Like, that's got tags on it still. That's worth a lot of money. But look, Ben's on. got a type. I do have it. I mean, you know I like Die Another Day. That's not going to change. I mean, look, look at that cute the eyes are. Like, it's just, it's screaming, like, love me, Colin. Love me. Please buy me for your children. The closer you move to the camera, the more terrifying it actually gets. <laughs> buy me. Spend money. The, the fringe beanie, though, with the ear flaps, you know that's going to get sold out. <laughs> I'm oh, going to buy. When I'm at the Olympics, I'm going to buy each of you one. I'm going to send it, and we're all going to come back for a rap episode, and we're going to all wear it. That's going to when we interview Paris Olympians, we have to wear. It. I'm going to buy you t-shirts. I'm going to just buy you everything. Like, look, listen to this, Colin. The 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 Frigis follow a long lineage. The Phrygian cap was part of all major events in French history. The French National Archives show records of Phrygian caps worn during the construction of Paris's Notre Dame Cathedral, during the Revolution, and even during the Olympics in 1924. So? But, like, now that I know it's a hat and not a hamburger helper glove or something like that, it, it just looks weirder to me because I'm envisioning the eyes on the front that somebody's wearing their hat all the way over their face with eye holes cut out. See? It's a hat. Or a uterus. Hey, you look like Papa Smurf. You uterus or hat? <laughs> are, are, are the Smurfs French? I can't remember. I think they I don't were. No, are they? Now yeah. I think it's a Smurf. Less Smurf. <laughs> I mean, our French history is, is very strong on this show. Um, I noticed we Belgium. Had a, Sorry, uh, they oh, do oh, all the comics. <laughs> That's where all the comedy is in Belgium. I think of <laughs> funny and uh, Antwerp. Come on. Where 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 where's the the Le Belgique one? I, I'm sorry, Colin, you're wrong. Like this is this is this is the mixed relay of Colin opinions. All right. Like, it just... looks like Sonic the Hedgehog got shoved into a free chat. What's wrong with that? <laughs> <laughs> that's like a bad thing. 
All right. Like if this... I wish I didn't know about the hat thing because now it just makes it look weirder. If I knocked on your door wearing this costume, would you let me in? Oh no! Oh, you let me get stuck in the door. I wouldn't let you. I wouldn't let you in without the costume either. <laughs> the costume is going to be irrelevant. Wow! Just wouldn't let me in. That that hurts my feelings. Cruel. Jared, uh, next time we go to a, a soccer game together, I'm bringing this. All right. Okay. <laughs> Just gonna, yeah. Well, is, okay. You do that. <laughs> yeah. Look at that. The next time that you blow me off because you're busy that night, um, I'll do. I'll, I'll bring that along there. Just on the logo, um, we, we should. T- I mean, obviously, we rank these if you go back and listen to our episodes. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, the logo is pretty bland. It's it's not the uh, <laughs> the greatest. Uh, it um, represents uh, resembles a gold medal, the national national personification of France. Formed in a negative space. Um, it was designed by French designer Sylvain Boyer. Um, cool. So I can't even see the flame anymore. I just see a woman with a bob haircut. <laughs> that should have been the mascot. I've looked at it too long. It's it's not. It's not yeah, right I see anymore. the lips on worse. the bottom there. Yeah, the lips. But then the flame, like the outline of the flame, is just like a haircut. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I I can't unsee it anymore. I am hoping though that like we talk a little bit about like the branding and the color scheme and sort of like the buntings and all that kind of stuff they do. I'm a big fan of black and gold together. So I do hope that they stick with a black and gold motif. Like that would look very nice. And I do, I like the font. (laughs) When are we ranking the font? (laughs) It's it's up there. (laughs) Yeah. Colin, what do you think of the font of Paris 2024? Do you, do you, are you a fan of it? Uh, It's, it's the best font Paris has had in a hundred (laughs) years. Yeah, what was the Paris 1924 logo? <laughs> a frieze. <laughs> Just on a, on a hat, on a hat, on a hat, on a hat, basically a head. <laughs> I can't even speak properly right now. There's a reason why we get too carried away with that. Um, I mean, anything else really to add? It's sort of, it's, we're going to have a unique coverage right now. I'll say this because I'm going to the Olympics in some form or the other. I've got tickets right now. There could be other ways and means that I'll be able to uh, do things over there. So and we've got some big plans. I think that we're going to be on the ground, obviously, there, at least with one third of us, you two cheap bastards. Oh, I've got a family. Oh, I've got a house to pay off. Um, it just becomes single and rent. Simple when you go to an Olympics. <laughs> All right. If you're not good enough to compete in the Olympics by being an athlete. Jamie Benja said to dump you in rent. Sell the house. And you'll be at LA in 2028 in no time. There you go. <laughs> Um, but we're looking forward to doing some, some unique coverage with it, but I don't know, like it's, it's sort of, we're in in an interesting period right now for Olympic fans, because there's a lot to look forward to in the next 12 months. Besides an Olympics, we've got a youth Olympics obviously coming up. We're going to have a IOC session in a couple of months where we're going to find out what sports are going to be added for LA in 2028. And we're still obviously on tenterhooks to find out when the hell they're going to announce 2030 for the winter Olympics in any usual cycle. We should be hearing about it now, but there's still a lot of uh, debate about how that's going around right now, but I mean, Colin, great time, great t- t- time to be an, an, an Olympic b- 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 fan. Yeah, yes, it is. Uh, also, let's let's add this will be the first time since Rio we're going to see a crowd at yeah. a Summer Olympics. Uh, True. We talk about how long and how short this sometimes seems, but when you consider that we had almost no crowds in Tokyo, like. This will kind of be a treat to be able to see 600,000 people at an opening ceremony. And in all seriousness, like the ticket sales have just gone gangbusters. Like in the two sort of period windows that I was in to try and get tickets, like it was ridiculous how sort of everything had sold out essentially. So 
obviously they they, 79,000 for equestrian available. <laughs> they just sell it to like the thousand like hoity-toity French people. Oh, I want to see the horses. And then resale. 79,000 tickets available to dressage. Seriously, like, come on. 80,000 people for dressage. Like, shit. Like, come on. Horse lifts its leg up. The crowd goes wild. <laughs> like, picture it right now. If I can't... Blow the roof off that place. If I can't get to dress up, I will stand outside the stadium. And that will be the best atmosphere you will ever hear in Olympic sport. When Horsey Bat Horse Jr. lifted the knee and walked backwards, crowd goes off. Jared, I mean, we're excited, right? Lots to, lots to get pumped up. Oh, pumped. It's going to be amazing. And we didn't even mention, like... The, the uh, eventing of the dressage or whatever of equestrian Versailles Palace grounds. Like, why not? Yeah. They're going to sign a treaty while they're there. You know, maybe, maybe get the modern pentathlon federation with the horses, right? Because of this whole, like, no, we're canceling horses out from modern pentathlon treaty of Versailles treat like, Hey, it speaks for itself. Just saying. Okay. Sounds I'm, like you're pitching to become the next president of the IOC, Ben. I am very, this is treason. I am very qualified to be the next president of the IOC. <laughs> Colin, I, I am a multiple gold medalist on many PlayStation games. I have interviewed more Olympians than I'm sure Thomas Bach has won Olympic medals. Um <laughs> I just not gold medalists. I had a I had a letter read out on an Olympic comedy show talking about Juan Antonio Samarich, His Excellency. Um, I mourned the loss of Jacques Rog. Um, the Hobart and Olymp- Ferg. The Hobart Olympic bid was mentioned by the IOC vice president when he was just the lonely AOC president. I've got many qual. What's your qualifications, Colin? I threw a chair once. I'm not you. <laughs> Thank God for that. We only need one of me. And more fergs, fridges, uteruses, uteri, uteri. Would you vote for me, Jared, if I ran for the ISC president? Depends if you're up against Ferg or not. Oh, true. I mean, that's, that's, I, I would, I, I would vote for Fergie. Do you think? You think we could get uh, Will I Am and um, Apple? What was the other Black Eyed Peas? Uh, <laughs> what was it? Applebee's? No, that's um... <laughs> Google it for me, Colin. <laughs> Applebee's and um, and Wendy's and McDonald's <laughs> and KFC, uh, the Black Eyed Peas. Apple D. Yep. Apple uh, D. I knew there was yeah. an apple in there somewhere. <laughs> That's it. Cool. All right. There's only two of them. Uh, there's a black-eyed P. Uh, <laughs> Taboo and J-Ray Soul. Oh, J-Ray Soul. Who could forget? What was that boy band you were talking about before? Boys to Hooch O-Town. or something? O-Town. <laughs> Wasn't that a little Nass song? I'm going to take you down to O-Town Road or something like that? No? I thought that was the, uh, the, the, the movie we watched on the Oz Network. Oh, what a great show the Oz Network is, by the way. Download yeah. it. What a, seriously, Jared, you can't stop listening to it, can you? <laughs> See it. It's just Ferg will make it. Every time we do an episode now, <laughs> freeze. I love how I read on a website the pronunciation. It's like freeze with a J. Freeze. <laughs> freeze. Uh, this is a lot of fun, though. I always enjoy these ones. And it's going to go by very quickly because, again, uh, we're, we're less than a year 
away to go till the Olympics. But we've got plenty to come. I mean, we're literally in the middle right now. We're basically doing this because next week we're going to be going back to talking about the Women's World Cup. Then we've got interviews and Women's World Cup. Then more interviews. We've got a Pan Ams. We're busy little beavers here on the show. We're busy little freezers on off the podium. One thing, though, that I'm very excited for. Can we, can we tease a little thing that we're going to be releasing at some point very, very soon, which you two... Uh, are very excited for as well. We've we've joked on this show about getting our own mascot. We've said, <laughs> how good's Frege? How good's Izzy? How good's Wenlock? How good's that tiger from Seoul? Like, we've all thought, like, wouldn't this be great? So we, we had a bit of a joke, like, ah, we should get a mascot. I'm saying right now, ladies and gentlemen and theys and thems and everybody listening and watching, we've got one coming. We will have an official off-the-podium mascot which we will be releasing at some point. Won't be quite as elaborate with a video and a, a whole like it's gonna have like one pose, but that's all we could afford. But like it's it's <laughs> it's gonna be very stunted. <laughs> but we'll milk it till the cows come home. So uh, stay tuned, and we're gonna have an elaborate backstory. Maybe we can do an animated like yeah, specifically designed to get stuck indoors. <laughs> exactly. Um, I mean, you've both seen the concept for it. We haven't seen the finished mm. product yet, but uh, I mean, Jared, give us give us your thoughts on. Uh, I don't even want to spoil the name of our gender neutral mascot. I think just groundbreaking. <laughs> um, never, never, never seen before. Um, thinking outside the box. Yep. Um, I mean, it's effortless. Yep. Uh, it screams. Uh, progress. <laughs> it's very progressive. Um, speaking of boxes, you might find it at a box at your local Ikea. So um, that could be a thing. Colin, mm. I mean, let's be honest. You're kind of the creator of this. The backstory revolves around you a lot of this. So uh, I you, named it too. You, you did. And you, you've got it. You're, you're heavily tied to the inspirational story <laughs> of how this mascot rose from adversity to come out yes. and... Put forward a podcast, an award-winning podcast. Over to you, keep the flame alive. You're not going to get a mascot. You go, we've got a country. Well, we've got a mascot, so we raise you. Colin, you're excited for this, aren't you? The best thing about this is that once the mascot has been revealed, I will say I have four children. <laughs> you have four? Oh, I get it. Because like you have three, don't you? I'm like, oh, oh it's your fourth. Oh, cue violins. There you go. I want to be able, if I'm at the Olympics next year and I just happen to see Thomas Bark, I'm going to give him a, give him one. That could be the round table question. Yeah. Thomas, what do you think? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so many options. I wonder if I get more than one question. Thomas, (laughs) have you finished talking yet? One question for you, one question for the mascot. <laughs> Three, ah, ah, ah. Breaking news. Kind of. Not really. It's mainly me, Ben, here interrupting myself and our episode to bring you something cool that we thought you would like to hear. Probably more so than me talking and Jared talking and Colin talking, but we'll get to that in just a moment. Because when we recorded that episode a little bit over a week ago, we didn't expect to get something extra cool to add to this episode. You heard us talk about being invited to a round table with the IOC president, Thomas Park. And unfortunately, while we did attend, we weren't able to get a question in to the president. But one thing that did come across our invitation box where we were able to get some questions out 
was a one year to go to a Paris function hosted by the AOC at the Qantas headquarters in Sydney. Now, this was held during the week on Wednesday, the one year to go anniversary till Paris 2024. And this was a pretty big function. There were many, many dignitaries invited to this event, attending this event. I'm talking the IOC Vice President John Coates, the Premiers of New South Wales and Queensland, Olympic champions, future Olympians, current Olympians, AOC presidents, CEOs, the bigwigs were in attendance. And as I just said, we were invited along to check it out. Now, you would have seen us share a couple of photos on our page over the last couple of days, and we've got some video content and everything that we did at the event. But one thing I thought we would do, because we are a podcast, of course, we might be branching out a little bit into the video sphere a little bit more and onto social media, but we're still a born and bred podcast. That's what we will always be. thought we'd bring you some of those interviews that we did do during the event in the form of audio. Now, what we're going to play here, first of all, is two quick little questions that I was able to put to two very important people in the Australian Olympic Committee. The CEO, Mr. Matt Carroll, and the President, Mr. Ian Chesterman. Now, my question to President Chesterman, let's call him that, was around Anamirs, of course, the chef de mission for Australia at Paris 2024, who you will also hear from in just a moment. Now, Ian was chef de mission to seven Olympic Games, six winters, and one summer was a chef de mission back in Tokyo. And I asked Ian if he was to have been given one piece of advice before his first Olympics as chef de mission that he could now pass on to Anna Mears ahead of her first Olympics as a chef de mission, what would it be? I think uh, what I really uh, admire about Anna is she understands the task ahead. You know, she's come from it with that great athlete background. Uh, and she also knows it's her uh, role to serve the current athletes. And I'm absolutely confident that she's going to get that uh, balance right and be a fantastic leader for our team. She walks in in front of our athletes and our sports and she has immediate respect. And uh, that's going to serve her really well over in Paris. Great to be able to pose a question to the president of the AOC. You know we're making a big when we can be invited to a press conference there. And we're, of course, always going to try and get the president on the show at some point. He's a Tasmanian. I found that fact out during the week. So that's uh, quite exciting. Strive for big things, us Tasmanians, and we can become presidents of the Australian Olympic Committee. I'm definitely looking forward to uh, having my tilt at that in about 30 or 40 years' time. The CEO of the AOC, Matt Carroll, as I said, also in attendance. And I posed to him the question around Brisbane 2032. The unique fact that Brisbane will actually have two summer games prior to them hosting it rather than one. Because, of course, generally, when you get awarded an Olympic Games, it's seven years before you host it, meaning there's only generally one Olympics in your cycle, a Summer Olympics or a Winter Olympics, depending which one you're hosting. So my question to him was around that. Does it add extra layers of benefit to Brisbane getting to witness two summer games beforehand? and what learnings and how that may help Brisbane hosting the Olympics in just under nine years' time. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, um, I mean, the Games happen regardless of whether you have a home Games games or not, but it does give that opportunity, certainly for, for the organising committee. Um, they can obviously go to Paris and start, well, they will be going to Paris and seeing how the French are, are going to run a great successful Games and showcase. I think that's probably the best thing about France. They're going to showcase the country, which is obviously very good for the economy and things of that nature. The Los Angeles games, or in between, there's Milan Cortina. There are learnings in the winters as well. And then uh, Los Angeles, no doubt, 
with Hollywood, we'll put on something very special. So it is good for the uh, the organising to have this opportunity, and also to understand how uh, the teams work, the national Olympic teams. This is you know, 206 national Olympic teams will be coming to uh, Brisbane. So understanding the athlete and what the athlete requires is critical to putting on a successful games. And of course, most critical for successful games is a successful home team. So that's what we're aiming to do. We're very excited to see Brisbane host those Olympics. And of course, while this week we did celebrate one year to go till Paris 2024, Sunday we did celebrate nine years to go until Brisbane 2032. So get excited around that. But also outside the big wigs, the big guns, the, the presidents and the CEOs and everything along those lines, we did get to speak to the Olympians and the Chef de Michon and Amir's. So you are going to hear, I'm going to play these in order for you right now. My chat with Anna Mears, who of course is a legend of all things Olympic, a six-time Olympic medalist, a four-time Olympian, and her first Olympics as a chef de Michon. An amazing chat here. You're going to love hearing from her. Also, speaking of amazing and legends, Jess Fox, if you don't mind, three-time Olympian, four-time Olympic medalist, the GOAT, as you'll hear me introduce her, of paddling she was there she spoke to me it was fantastic maurice longbottom tokyo olympian in the sport of rugby sevens and cassiel rousseau from diving now of course if you've been paying attention to the news a little bit we didn't mention this in our looking ahead to paris 2024 episode because at the time of recording he hadn't competed yet just became the first ever australian to win a world championship in the 10 meter platform in diving so we're going to learn a little bit more about that. You'll hear that here from Cassiel too. Great personality, fantastic chat. And the other chat you're going to hear too, a former off-the-podium guest, Olympic gold medalist, two-time Olympian, Lucy Stephan from the sport of rowing. They're all here. You're all going to hear them. Let's play them in order. As I said, you're going to hear from Anna. You're going to hear from Jess. You're going to hear from Maurice. You're going to hear from Cassiel. And you're going to hear from Lucy. All right, I'm absolutely thrilled to be able to be joined right now by the chef de mission of the Australian Olympic team ahead of Paris. She's a four-time Olympian, six-time Olympic medalist. Someone, the only enemy is Anna. Thank you for joining us. Pleasure, Ben. Thanks for having me. I think you're the first person I've ever interviewed who's had a velodrome named after her. So, uh, you know, I just thought I'd throw that out there. I bet you like to hear that every now and then. I do. It reminds me. The really cool thing the locals about the velodrome up in, in Brisbane have hashtagged it the Anadrome. Oh, the anadrome. I like that. I very much like that. That's fantastic. Uh, just simple question. For people who maybe not know what a chef de mission does, give us a brief overview of what your role is in Paris. Yeah, basically my role is to be the spokesperson for the athletes in the team and I'm responsible for creating the environment and the culture for that team of all the sports when they come under the umbrella of the Australian Olympic team. Um, I also work with the Australian Olympic Committee to help make that happen. In terms of yourself, you used to, as I said, four Olympics, you had those cycles of a year to go as an athlete preparing yourself. How does that prepare a year to go as a chef de Michon? Can you compare the two? Yeah, um, I don't know what's more stressful, to be honest. Uh, One year to go as an athlete or one year to go as an administrator in the position as chef. But um, you do rely very heavily on your team and keeping check with your team that you're on target. So, But it's a really big milestone and it's a really important milestone. Um, and it does make it very, very real for the athletes involved. You know, sometimes um, when I was feeling the stress and pressure of, you know, the expectation of, of performance and results, I kind of shied away from knowing that it was one year to go. But on other days, you know, other years, I was like super excited by it. So it's a bit, bit of a mixed bag of emotion. 
Do you rely a lot on Ian Chessman to sort of ask his advice? He's obviously been chef de mission for six Olympic Games, so he's got, a, I guess, a bevy of advice to give you. Oh, six, six winters and one summer he yeah. did, so um, I heavily rely on him and I tap into him constantly. I like to ask questions, I like to learn, I like to listen, and he, he's... He is so open and honest about his experiences and, and what I could potentially expect um, and has been a great support for me since I've stepped into this role and I've enjoyed working with him. You just got back from Paris. What can fans expect? It looks like all the, the venues are going to be amazing, fans are going to be back. Yeah. I mean, what can we expect? I just feel like this is going to be postcard picture after postcard picture after postcard picture. Um, I got a sense of a of real grandeur about Paris and France when I was there. There was a real majesty and magic about it. Um, I think it's going to be pretty spectacular and this one will be one for the ages to remember. It'll be a special chapter in the book of the Olympics history. Does it make you miss the bike? Because obviously France is a cycling nation, right? How would that be? Well, no, I don't miss the bike. Uh, but I did get on an e-bike there and ride oh. around the streets. So um, that was that was kind of a nice little, you know, kudos <laughs> on that throwback of cycling. But no, it feels like a whole nother lifetime ago when I was an athlete. But at the same time, I go back and I revisit it and I feel the emotions and I feel, I remember how many people it took for me to have that opportunity to be successful so hopefully that can resonate to the athletes I'm going to support come Paris. And this team, I mean, we had a few of the athletes on display today. They're doing great guns already, a year to go. How confident are you about Team Australia a year out from the Olympics? Well, I mean, I back, I back the team. I back the athletes wholeheartedly. Um, what's really positive is the sign of high high-end results and personal best performances coming almost weekly and daily it's it's actually hard to keep up with now and it's across a breadth of sports too which is really exciting for me and exciting for the sports to be able to use the olympics as that platform to reach into the homes and go hey have you thought about breaking hey have you thought about surfing hey have you thought about shooting and archery and and all these amazing sports that are a part of the olympic games how great is breaking i mean that was amazing right I want to actually have a go, but right, I, right? I, I know I'm, it's going to look terrible. I'm going to think I'm going to do it well. I'll join you. We can just look terrible together. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just want to be able to say I beat enemies in something. It might be a breaking, so I'll challenge you. We'll do, we'll do one off right now. Okay, right. Let's, let's do it. Uh, maybe not in a white shirt. Yeah, may, maybe not. I don't yeah. know how we... This floor doesn't look sanitary. We'll have to get Raygun to come in and give us yeah, some pointers. Yeah, no. Absolutely. How good is she, hey? PhD She's amazing. In urban culture and, um, and now being able to showcase her sport to the world on a totally different level is... Um, I'm, I'm, look, I'm hopeful for her and I know there's a lot to go uh, forward around qualifications and selection, but um, be eagerly following the path of, of her. Could, could, are you going to ask her to give you a B-girl name? Ooh. No, I like my hashtag. <laughs> Chef Demirs. Yeah, Chef Demirs. I like that. I like that. Now, Anna, we're going to uh, have a bit of fun right now. We're going to call this segment Parlez-vous Francais. Now, we're not going to ask you to speak French. Don't worry. I'm the same as you. I don't know how to speak it. I've got five questions for you related to France and the Olympics. Ooh. Ooh, okay. Are you excited for this? I'm a little bit nervous, actually. I'm ready. I'm ready, though. I'm actually a little bit disappointed, to be honest with you, because right. so many of the answers were actually given away in the press junket before, and I thought I was going to be on the ball here. So okay. if you've been listening, you might be able to get this. I'll start with question number one. Right. Before 2024, how many times has Paris hosted the Olympics? Once. Twice. Before tw Oh, I was thinking 1924. Yeah. Well, I, I'll... 1900, 1924. Well, I was going to say, I'll give you a do-over because I was going to say, if you get a bonus point for each answer you guess correctly, so you just got two points extra. Yes. There you go. All right, here's one for you. Since 1924, France has hosted two Winter Olympics. Ooh. Can you tell me the last time they hosted it and where it was for an extra bonus point? No, I can't. <laughs> Want to throw out a guess? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm loving this. It's starting off well. Albeville in 1992. Would not have gotten that. 
Oh, see. Sorry. Well, I could have also told you that uh, Grenoble in 1968. I'm telling you, you that. But do you know that I still, at 39, have never skied? Oh, wow. Yeah. Can we can we get, I don't know, Brits here? I know yeah. Taylor's here. Alyssa Camplin, she's all over it. She's going to hook me up with some gear and give me some lessons. I've seen it, like, snow twice, and I've seen snow five times in my life. So I am not your winter. I, I want to see footage of that. <laughs> Can we share that, please, yeah, and off we'll the podium? Try. Yep. We'll try. Good. All right. Okay. True or false? Australia has won more Olympic medals than France. I'm going to say true. It is false. Australia has won 547, France ah. 751. We're working on that. I know. We'll catch up. We'll catch up. In terms of the history of the Olympics, yeah. what is France's most successful summer Olympic sport? Total medals won. Look, I thought this was going to be a little bit easier. Oh, the last question you'll love. I Trust me. I've got a prop. I've got a prop um, for the last one. What was the question? What was uh, what, their most the, successful? Summer Olympic sport for France in terms of total medals won. Uh, I'm going to say fencing. You would be correct. Yes. Well done. Seven. Uh, sorry, that's the wrong one. 193. Uh, cycling is their second and judo their third. Wow, there you go. Uh, yeah, it was a great story with um, Cassiel Russo. Yeah. Russo family being a very, very famous name in cycling. So, But I, I knew fencing was very, very popular in France, so I was, yeah, went with that one. Do you want to sneak over and watch a bit of fencing just to see, obviously, the Aussie athletes, if we have any, but, of course, just see how the French crowd reacts to it? Well, it's going to be in the Grand Palais, so that's yeah. going to be something special in itself. All right, last one. I have a prop. For you, Anna. This is the Paris 2024 Olympic mascot. Oh, yes. Can you tell me what its name is and what it is? Uh, it's a beret, the French hat. Mm -hmm. I'll um, give it to you. I'll give it to you. Yeah. And no, I don't know its name. It's called Frege, and it's a Phrygian cap. Frege. Frege. What do you What do you think of Frege? She's beautiful. Right. Look at that. I like that. There you go. Anime is with the frieze on the head. Anna, it's been an absolute honour having you here on the show and uh, one year to go to Paris, bring it on. Yes, let's bring it on. Alayos. Alayos, let's do it. Such an absolute honour to be joined right now by the one, the only, Jess Fox, four-time Olympic medalist, the GOAT of paddling. <laughs> I'm just going to say that right now. Jess, first of all, welcome off the podium. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Does this sort of event just get you pumped you've probably done a few of these now obviously going in to your fourth olympics but uh, in terms of just the turnout for this being surrounded by other great athletes how does it make you feel oh it's so special we're celebrating one year to go and the aoc have put together this amazing event with Qantas, and you know they've got that montage video that gets the the goosebumps happening with all those great australian athletes who have who have um, achieved amazing feats for olympics in, in australia and i was part of that so watching it was a bit emotional for me and for lucy as well, who was one of the rowers winning gold. So I think that just gets you excited. It gets you pumped um, and motivated for the next year. I was going to say, what's it like as an athlete when they sort of show something like that? Because obviously, as you said, it gets you pumped and motivated, but then you're, you're there with Kathy, you've got Grant Hackett, you've got Shirley Strickland, all these greats. Does it kind of just hit home a little bit more about all your achievements? Oh, it's, it's yeah, pretty incredible to be part of that um, that Australian legacy and you know with our Olympic blazers on the inside we've got the name of every Australian Olympic champion and to know that my name will be in there at the next games is pretty special so yeah watching those montage videos I love them they inspire me so much it makes me relive all the emotions of that moment as well you know you 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 relive that intensity that pressure and then that relief and joy at the finish line when you achieve your dreams so yeah very special to be in the likes of yeah Kathy and, and all the Aussie greats. 
Now, you've uh, obviously checked out the venue in Paris. Uh, give us a bit of an insight. What's it like and how do you think it's going to go for the Olympics? Yeah, the unique thing about this Games is that the Paris course was built a few years ago. So we've all had the opportunity to train there. We'll get a test event there later on in the year to, to test it out in, in a competition setting, which will be exciting. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a good course. I think um, they've done a few tweaks and they probably will keep tweaking it in the lead up to the Olympics. So we won't know what the final configuration is until next year. C1, K1, we know all about them. Tell us about the slalom cross. What can we expect from this event and what is it? It's a new event. So kayak cross uh, was added to the program for Paris 2024. And it's basically like BMX or snowboard cross where you've got four athletes starting off a ramp in plastic kayaks and basically going head to head, battling it out on the rapids. And it's very different to the traditional kayak and canoe slalom events, which is a race against the clock with penalties. This is kind of a bit of a free for all. You've got, um, you've got the four athletes going through the gate but it's way more tactical. There's a lot of strategy involved. It's very physical as well um, and a bit more savage too because you've got to try and, and beat those opponents. So, yeah, it's exciting to watch and very challenging to train for and, and exciting to, to compete in. I was going to say, how do you find that? You're so used to going down a course by yourself, battling the clock, the technique, but now you've got somebody else to think about. That must be a real challenge. Yeah, I think, you know, we're so used to be able to control our own performance and, you know, focus on on ourselves visualize the race run and not a lot's going to go wrong when it's you know just you on the course but when there's other athletes there's a lot that you can't control so that extra element of adaptability becomes a lot more important you've got to be able to read a race and try and adapt in the in the moment um, and yeah it does make it challenging when there are it, there is a bit of luck involved too. Now it's nine years to Brisbane of course I still think you've got it in your Jess you can easily make it then but I mean next year might be the closest you ever obviously get to a home Olympics given your French roots. Uh, a lot of family friends that sort of in that part of the world going to come and see you uh, compete? Yeah hopefully it's uh, it would be a home away from home Olympics for me um, obviously being born there I have a lot of family in France and it would be great for them to be in the crowds and and be part of that and you know Obviously in Tokyo we couldn't have spectators so that was that was a bit of a shame but the atmosphere in Paris looks like it'll be incredible and it's a lot more accessible to people and you know even the opening ceremony on the Seine with 600,000 people on the banks will be really unique so I think they're kind of opening up the city and um, hopefully my family can, can enjoy the games and, and I can enjoy the games too there. How strong is that rivalry between Marseille and Paris? Is it like really bad? Like is it something that we need to learn more about ahead of the Olympics yeah, next year? it is a bit of a rivalry isn't it? Um, <laughs> Like, it's funny when people people say, oh, you're from France, are you from Paris? I'm like, no, 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 from the south, I'm from Marseille because I don't want to upset some family members. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, the, it's definitely a strong rivalry in, in the football, in the soccer. So, yeah. That's where it comes from. Now, uh, Jess, we're going to close this out. This segment is called Parlez-vous Francais. Now, I think if I was actually asking you French, you would probably win because you've got that background. It's not about that. It's five questions related to France, the Olympics and Australia. Okay. Are you ready for this? Well, I hope so. All right. Now, if you were listening earlier, you would have get the answer to this one. Before 2024, how many times has Paris hosted the Olympics? Twice. Correct. <laughs> now, I'm going to give you a bonus point for each additional answer. Can you tell me the two years that they hosted it? Uh, 1900 or 1904? Go with your first. Go with your first. 1900 yeah. and then um, uh, 1924. Look at this. She's <laughs> on the ball. She's winning already. Since 1924, France has hosted two Winter Olympics. Can you tell me the last time they hosted a Winter Olympics? And for a bonus point, where was it? Was it um, Albertville? Correct. Can you tell me what year? This feels like a trick question because it changed. It was like 92 or 94. Like it changed. Go with your first answer. 92. Correct. Yeah. Look at this. Yeah, it, was like, it was the only 
it, that was when they had the summer yep. and the winter at the same time and then they changed it. Correct, the last time they had it in the same year as the Summer Olympics. There Look at go. this, well done. True or false, Australia has won more Olympic medals than France. I'm going to say true. It's false. Oh, we mean, can catch up next year, Jess. Yeah, we'll catch up, hopefully. Yeah. In terms of overall medals won, what is France's most successful Summer Olympic sport? Is it a team sport or individual? It is. Well, there is a team discipline, but it's mainly individual. Swimming? Athletics? Fencing. Oh, of course. Mm. Oh, of course, fencing. I was thinking maybe like handball or something at first because they, they are very dominant in that. Fencing, of course. Have you ever checked out handball when you've been in the Olympics before? No, I've never seen it. No. I, think, I think Paris next year is a perfect one to go to, right? They yeah, love their handball. Hopefully we could get to some other events. It's, it's, it's sometimes hard for athletes to go watch other events, but yeah, we'll see. There we go. All right, last one. It's a visual one. I'm going to hand you something. Oh, this is the Paris yeah. mascot. Can you tell me what it is and what its name is? Uh, uh, les friges, fridge, fridges, maybe if you're saying it So it's actual French, this is amazing. <laughs> les friges, and it's uh, actually the hat of um, uh, a very French woman. I just want to give it the answer to her right now. She's giving the most detailed answer. What, what's her name? I'm just going to say yes, yeah, because I just I go with the French Revolution cap. Yeah, French Revolution cap. Wow, do you want I to put it on your head and give us a bit of a look at that? Jess Fox, the star of this show. Jess, thank you so much for joining us. It's such a pleasure and good luck for Paris next thank year. Thank you. All right, such a pleasure right now to be joined by Tokyo Olympian from the great sport of rugby sevens, Maurice Longbottom. First of all, Maurice, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Now, one year to go to Paris. Get you a bit excited? Uh, looking forward towards a second Olympics? 100%. Um, if you weren't excited now, then after coming here, you've got the pastries over the back, the crepes outside. Um, yeah, it's, it's getting surreal now. How is your French? Uh, it's not that... <laughs> a couple words here and there. That's there goes that next question then, uh, basically. <laughs> Obviously, uh, both the men and the women in the rugby have, have qualified. A bit of a weight off the shoulders, of course, a year out from the Olympics. Uh, fifth for you guys as well in the, in the World Cup. How's the, the mood in the camp? Obviously, getting the back-to-back -back world champs, but at least getting that qualification spot. No, definitely. Uh, massive weight off the shoulders, getting the automatic uh, qualification. Uh, it's given us some time to unwind, forget about rugby for a bit. Um, and spend some time with some family, uh, a couple of boys have got some kids and uh, really nice stuff like that um, that we can't do over the season. So it's a real good freshen up for us. Uh, we go back to training on Monday and we're going to hit the ground running for pre-season and go all the way through Paris. Is that World Rugby Sevens circuit is just growing and growing and the Olympics is going to be, of course, the third time it's been back. How are you seeing that from the, the support out there for the team, not only in Australia but around the world for the sport? Oh, mate, the competition is ridiculously close at the moment. It's we only scraped in by one point, um, and like throughout the whole year, there was only you know four to ten points splitting first and sec uh, first to eight, uh, eight position. Like that's a lot. Yeah. Um, so it just shows how much rugby is growing in different parts around the world. Um, you know, you've got France that are up there. You got Spain that beat Fiji. Like you just don't know anyone can beat anyone on their day, um, and the fan base no doubt will be out of control in Paris, I know that for a fact. Speaking of beating anyone on their day, what can we do to beat Fiji? It was great that they won their first gold in Rio, fantastic. Second it was nice, but we've got to stop Fiji now, right? Come on, it's the Aussies' turn. I, I agree. Um, I think our biggest thing that we've struggled with when we play them is sticking to our game plan. Um, we sort of get stuck into their game plan and we start offloading like we feel like we have to when we don't. And then we start playing a brand of footy that isn't us. So. As long as we stick to our, our program and our system, we'll, we'll come out on top. 
Now, sort of, you mentioned the, the great spread that's along here, the, the food, the, the coffee, there's berets. Did you not get the memo to wear a beret at all today, Marie? <laughs> no, I, first time I went to Paris, I actually bought one, actually, and I was the only one walking around in it, so I put it on the back burner. <laughs> Alright, mine's in my pocket somewhere, which you might see in just a moment. Uh, just before we get to some fun little questions, of course, France is about to host the 15s World Cup uh, in, a, in a couple of months. A very French-mad nation. Do you think that's going to give the, the French grounds who you're talking about a little bit before so that they're going to come out and we're going to see the Stade de France packed with just bumper-to-bumper -bumper fans? Oh, 100%. No doubt they'll be out there supporting all the 15s teams and that's um, a good little build-up for us leading into the Olympics. Uh, get the fans all excited and then we'll come in and they can hopefully come back and watch us. And fans, for you for the first time, obviously didn't have them in Tokyo, so this will be a new experience at an Olympics. Yeah, it was definitely definitely an experience in Tokyo, um, but having having fans back will be awesome. And not just fans, but our loved ones, it'll be awesome there. Now, Maurice, going to close this out with a little segment I'm calling Parlez-vous Francais. Now, to alleviate your worries, I'm not going to test you on French because I'm just like you, I know a couple of words. I'm going to give you five quick questions related to France, Paris and the Olympics. Are you ready for this? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's start off with an easy one if you were listening to what they were saying before. Not including next year, how many times has Paris hosted the Olympics? Three? Two. Oh. Close, but you've got, you got a chance to make up for it. I'll give you a bonus point if you can guess each year that it was hosted prior to 2020. Just throw some, throw some years out there. You might get lucky. No chance. Uh, I feel like it was very early. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Both were very early. I'll give you that clue. 1975? Uh, Ooh, not quite. 1924 and 1900. Sure, yeah, no chance. Yeah, no chance. All right, well, you've got time to make up. It's all good. It's still early. France has hosted two Winter Olympics since 1924. He's loving these questions. Can you tell me what year they last hosted it? And a bonus point, where was it? I've got nothing. <laughs> I'm, I'm making you do some study before next year. I'm a listener and <laughs> I've got absolutely nothing. I'm just going to say 1821. 1992. Oh, my God. You're within 150 years. We'll classify that as close. Here's a true or false one for you, Maurice. How about this? Australia has won more medals at the Olympics than France. True. It is false. Oh. Australia Aussie, has... Aussie. Yeah, I know. You've got time to catch up, though, I think. Come uh, Paris. We've got, we've got some great people going out there right now with that, so we'll be able to catch up. In terms of the history of the Olympics, what is France's most successful summer Olympic sport? Um, well, it's definitely not swimming. It's definitely not swimming. <laughs> it's definitely not running either. Definitely. Is, is, you, I feel like I should give you bonus points here for guessing these ones here because that kind of counts. Long jump? Left field here. Yeah, well, look, I like a left field answer, but it's actually fencing. Ooh. They could do fencing while they're doing the long jump. That would be fun. Last one for you. I've got a prop for you. This is the Paris 2024 mascot. Can you tell me what it is? And also, you might not know its name, but give a guess of what its name is. I've got no idea what it is or what its name is. Well, it's not a pastry, definitely. <laughs> not a pastry. What has that got to do with France? Well, it's not a snail either. Why don't you put it on your head? That might give you a bit of a clue. <laughs> is it a hat? It is. It's, oh, a, it's a, a Frisian cap. Oh, Based on the French Revolution, they wore Frisian caps. Sort of, it's a symbol of, of pride and passion for France. It's actually called Frise. Oh, Frige. There you go. What's your take on Frige? Would you get one of these ones for the, the family, some nieces, yeah. nephews? Give it to the nephew. 
I got a niece and a nephew actually in uh, June in September. So well, there you go. Perfect. Shout out. Freeze. I love it. Maurice, thank you so much for joining us off the podium, mate. And best of luck uh, in the lead up to Paris next year. Cheers. Thank you. Pleasure to be joined right now by Tokyo Olympian. And let's just say it right now because I'm sure he's not sick of hearing it yet. World champion in the sport of diving, 10 meter platform, fresh from the plane only a couple of days ago from Japan, Kasaru. So, Cass, welcome off the podium. Thank you. How are you feeling? Uh, good. I mean, same as I always have been, just normal. I mean, <laughs> nothing's um, changed? Nothing really, no. No? <laughs> you haven't been uh, hounded by anyone. You just got off the plane, went home, just had some food, relaxed, and now you just happen to be at a cool little function. No, it's part of the game. Uh, do what you got to do. So, yeah, yeah, it's good fun. How seriously has the last 48 or so hours been for you, or, you know, this last week in general? Because uh, I can't imagine a week ago you thought you'd be coming to this event with a World Championship gold around your neck. Uh, most definitely not. It's, it, it, it was so unexpected. Um, it still hasn't hit me yet, and to be honest, I don't think it will. Um, so, but truly unexpected, and to think that I'm current, currently the world champion is just, I don't know, just different. I don't know. It's cool. It's cool. It, it must be a, a uniqueness coming from, obviously, the Olympics, where you got a top 10 there and, and sort of going into those world championships. I always like it when you sort of can go into these events and maybe not be the favourite. You can kind of go in there without a target on your back. But then I saw an interview you did the other day. Now, you have a target on your back yeah. last year. You kind of <laughs> kind of like that in a way, don't you? Um, I mean, in a way, yeah. Uh, I will probably have a target on my back. But um, the forefront of why I do this sport is just to have fun. And I believe that with every aspect of my life. So... Um, the experiences I get uh, from diving, which is the travelling and the competing, that will always just be so incredibly exciting for me. Um, and in terms of like getting medals, I don't. This is going to sound harsh, but, like I don't really care about getting medals. Um, but working hard, like enjoying to work hard and um, having fun and enjoying what I do, is obviously a, like the byproduct of that is getting the medals, um, which obviously is just something like added extra to why I do this sport. So did you have fun in Japan? Oh, I had so much fun. I had so much fun. <laughs> did you wish you could stay there and kind of cheer on the, the swimmers as well? Is that something often the divers kind of hang back and cheer on the swimmers? Um, it's definitely amazing to watch this, uh, the, the swimming because Australia is just incredible at swimming. Um, they're all very talented and we won a lot of medals uh, swimming. Um, so it's always good to like watch the swimming and look at the crowd and look at the Aussies uh, compete and win gold. So, um, But I kind of do wish I kind of stayed for the swimming, um, but obviously to come back one day so you got to come back one day you know got an olympics to prepare for now yeah, that yeah. we saw a great montage sort of some uh, olympic highlights over the year one of those ones of course was matt mitchum from uh, beijing does that give you a little bit of extra inspiration knowing what he achieved 15 years ago um yeah i wasn't really like in diving i've only been doing diving for like five years so um i didn't really know about mitchum or um <clears throat> just like yeah i didn't really like know of him um, but obviously, like coming through diving and learning about all the different people that have won many events or even like got medals in many events, um, I can just kind of tell just like what they have gone through and just how much effort and work they've put in to actually do the amazing things that they have done. Um, even the people that haven't got medals, um, this sport is just absolutely hard to um, compete in uh, since it's a very consistency-based sport, which I actually like. Um, but. Yeah, it's definitely like watching him on the big screen is very exciting. Um, and also like my grandfather, he um, he won gold at the Olympics for France in Australia. So going into Paris as kind of a favourite, uh, Chinese, like the Chinese divers will always be the favourites. Um, but going in knowing that I have the potential, 
potential to win gold um, is just something just amazing to me. I just want to quickly, before I touch on your grandfather, did, did you get a message from Matt? Did Matt at least reach out and congratulate you, or do we need to like send him a message right now? Come no, on, no, Matt, no, no, congratulate no, Cass. He, he messaged me. Uh, good, all right, good, Matt. Um, I just got a few, I'm sure you got a few messages to get through still. Yeah, yeah, I had lots of messages. Um, obviously, everyone was supportive, and I was very uh, thankful for that. Um, I'm pretty sure I saw Matthew Mitchum in there. I don't know if I replied or not, but... He's, he's going to reply one day, Matt. Don't worry, he's got a few to get through, I think. Now, obviously, you're touching your granddad. It's kind of a bit of a home Olympics for you in a way, given that, that lineage. Do you expect a lot of uh, French Parisian support for you, given that uh, they maybe do a bit of research and realise who your granddad is? <laughs> um, yes and no. Like, I'll always be a full-blown Australian. Yes, I can speak French. Yes, I do have Oh, some. can you? All right, there you go. Yeah, yeah, no, I can speak a bit of French. Well, um, parlez-vous français is my next segment. <laughs> you'll, you'll take it differently. Yeah, je parle un peu de français, uh, but... Um, Obviously, with my French heritage, uh, it does add something special, and hopefully uh, I will get a couple of French supporters as well. So um, it's just very exciting to actually go to my grandfather's and my mum's uh, home country and uh, compete for Australia. Do you get any downtime now that you're back from the World Champs, or is it straight back onto the, the diving board and train for 12 months' time? Uh, no, at the moment, uh, I leave to go to Berlin on Sunday, so obviously uh, no rest for the wicked, as uh, some would say. Um, but... After, after Berlin, there's a bit of a break, but obviously main focus for the next 12 months is the Olympics. Um, so, yeah. Got, got a few mates already booking some time off next year for July? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A couple of mates, a couple of family. Um, yeah, should be good. It's going to be fun. All right. Now, I said next segment, Parlez-vous Francais. You do speak French. I don't, so that's not the segment. We're going to ask you some questions related to France, Australia and the Olympics. Oh, no. How's your, your general knowledge? Uh, horrible. All right, we're going to test you out. Jess Fox just came on here and kicked ass. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Not only is she good in the pool, she's good in trivia. So, all right, Castro. So, let's start off with not including next year, how many times has Paris hosted the Olympics? Oh, far out. They, we did get the answer about five times today. So really? Yeah. Oh, no. Mm. Uh, Paris. I don't know if I've ever heard of a Paris Olympics. I'm sure they might have. I will tell you, not in yours or my lifetime there has been one, but there has okay. been a couple okay, of times. Okay. I'm going to say, I'm gonna say two. Oh, you, you saved it then. It has been two. I'll give you two bonus points if you can tell me the two years. Uh, phone a friend? I don't know. Do we have that? Do here? we have one? <laughs> Jess. Do, <we're>, yeah. <laughs> uh, God, I don't know. Maybe probably 19, maybe before the World War. You're on? Yeah. Uh, one before one of the wars and one of the others. Jess. Jess, Cass needs your help on the questions. No, phone a friend. The Olympic years. What were the... 1900. Oh, look at that. Cass, wow. 1924. Wow, no help at all. I did not see an yeah. Olympic champion on the side of me giving those answers there. Incredible. You're so smart. Thank well, well done. A world champion and very smart. France has hosted two more Winter Olympics since 1924. Can you tell me the last time they hosted it, what year? And for a bonus point, Cass, where were they? Uh, was it pre or post fifties? Post fifties. Post fifties. Uh, seventy something. Nineteen ninety two. Ah. And it was in Alberville. Ah, uh, no idea. Yeah, a bit before your time. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. In true or false? This is an easy one for you, or maybe could be. I don't know. Australia has won more Olympic medals in the history of the Olympics than France. Ah, uh, true. It is false. What? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. Help us out there, can you, yeah, next? Right. I'll try my best, but yeah. we'll see. <laughs> also in the history of the Olympics, what is France's most successful summer Olympic sport? Uh, most successful summer... Uh, is it athletics? Some sort of, something to do with athletics? No, I take that back. Um, yeah. 
is it a... Oh, cycling. That is second. So I'll give you half a point for that, I think, because we're close. Uh, fencing. True. Yeah. No, yeah, true. I did kind of know that. Have you ever tried fencing? Uh, no. Would you like to try fencing? Uh, not really. Okay, cool. All right. <laughs> Australian Fencing Federation. See, he's, not, he's not on board. Sorry. All right, let's go visual aids right now. This, you can hold it, is the Paris 2024 mascot. What is it and what's its name? Um, I was going to say something horrible, actually. Do it right no, now. Do it. Out. We want to hear what you say. No, it looks like a bit of a poopy, but um, you know, like the emojis? Like the, it does, actually. It does. It does. Um, it's very cute, actually, um, even though it does kind of look like a poopy. Um, what's its I like name? how you call it poopy, by the way. That's very... Uh, oh, thank you. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Um, what's its name? I don't know. Is does it? Well, give it. If you don't know its name, what would you call it? What would you call the Paris? Uh, if you saw that for the, well, you have seen it for the first time. What would you call it? Uh, bro, I don't know. It's just looking at me and smiling. Do you want Jess again or? <laughs> yeah, no, I got no words. I don't know. All right, so it is a. It's called Frige, and it is a Frisian cap based on the French Revolution. You can put it on your head if you want. Ah, yeah, yeah. right. Can you? Yeah, well, you can sort of sit it on there at least if you want to. It won't probably um, stay. No, I'm good. Yeah, you're actually, good, right? Yeah, I'm good, thank yeah. you. You can yeah. actually buy, they do sell the, like, the actual hats with the dangly oh, bits on cool. Yeah, yeah. No, I'll, I'll put one of those in my head. Yeah, yeah maybe not. Maybe I, not I, I like the poopy, though. Yeah. I think we call it that. Cass, mate, cool. appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Congratulations thank again, you. and we look forward to seeing you in Paris. Appreciate it. Thank you. Pleasure to be able to stand in front of, in person for the first time, former off-the-podium guest, had her on the show a couple of years ago, Olympic gold medalist, two-time Olympian, Lucy Stephan. Lucy, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. How is it right now? A year to go to Paris. Does this get you a little bit more excited? Definitely. I think today's been really cool in that it's like kind of walked in and you're like, wow, it's, it's coming and it's happening. And I think like I, you know, I've mentioned earlier today with only three years, it's kind of been coming at us. But at the same time, it feels like we just finished Tokyo and now we're here. But no, today's been really cool. It's always that thing I think you find right now when you say, oh, I'm going to a year to go to Paris event. They're like, didn't we just have an Olympics? Yeah. And obviously we had Beijing last year as well. So it's kind of that quick fight. But does that, does that as momentum, is that a driving factor for, for say, a rower? Like, does that help you? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it would have been interesting if we had had the four-year cycle, if as many people would have come back. Because it's kind of like, well, it's only three years. But I think we know in elite sport, it's only three years. Three years is a long time and a lot can happen. So, I mean, we're, we're definitely going off. We had a really successful... Uh, yeah, well, really successful Olympics in Tokyo. So I think for us as the Australian rowing team, it's just building off that for sure. World Championship bronze last year. You've then got the World Championships in Serbia later this year. How's the form? How are you? Kind of how are things tracking ahead of Paris next year for back-to-back -back gold? Yeah, I think really good. I mean, we've got Jess and Annabelle have jumped into the pair and they're killing it. You know, no one's come close to them this year, which is awesome for them. And then us in the four, we've come away with a bit of a, a new crew, well, new but old crew. We've got Katrina Wary and Sarah Hora back in the boat, so I won with them in 17 and 19. And then we've got Young Blood and, and Georgia Patterson coming, up, coming in. So having the three of us, we've all bringing something different to the crew and I think it's it's really exciting. Like, who knows what we'll see. You know, we're one of those weird sports where we don't qualify ourselves for the Olympics. We qualify the seats for Australia and then we have to go get the seat again next year. But what we're looking at with the kind of core of the four of what we've, the four of us that we've got now, it's really exciting. We've had some really good success um, at the World Cups. We got a bronze and we got a silver. We had a really good race when we got those silver medals and just got pipped on the line. And we know what we have to do to, to make sure our bow ball is in front at um, the World Champs. So hopefully we can knock that one off and qualify the boat and win a gold medal. Can you just keep that gold medal in your back pocket so when selection day comes and if, say, you're like fifth or sixth choice, can you just be like, um, hi, guys, see this? Uh, yeah, I, I trump your non-selection and this makes me automatically selected. I mean, that would be great, but I think, you know, 
every year is different and you've always got new people coming up and that's what makes this sport so great or sport just great in general we're always seeing world records get broken we're always seeing people go faster so it'd be great to be like hey I want a gold medal so give me another one but sport doesn't work like that and we know it and I think that's why it breaks as many hearts as it does but it also you know there's so much love and passion behind it so I wish you could but Hopefully I can do it without ripping out the gold medal. I think I've interviewed enough people on this show right now, Lucy, to pull some sway, so I'll uh, pull, some, <laughs> pull some strings for you. We're going to close out with a segment. It's called Parlez Vous Francais. I'm not testing your French. Don't worry. It's was that? Bon, bonjour. Bonjour. Yes. That's all I know as well. Again, we need, we need Cass and Jess. They all they know the French. Five questions related to France, Australia and the Olympics. How's your general knowledge? Not great. Cool. This is going to go down very well. Well, the first question, if yeah. you were listening, you would know the answer for this. Okay. Were you listening? Uh, yep, I hope so. We're about to find out. Before, not including next year, how many times has Paris hosted the Olympics? Not including, two. Correct. I'll give you a bonus point if you can, for each answer you give me, can you name the two years that they hosted it? Uh, 1923, no, would it wouldn't be 23, 24. Yes, look at that, she got there. Yes. Well done. It cannot be 23, that's no. impossible, Luce. Yes, exactly. We'll, we'll do the math there. <laughs> France has hosted two subsequent editions of the Winter Olympics. Can you tell me the last time they hosted it and for a bonus point, where it was? Was that there today? No, it wasn't. Yeah, not nah, definitely not then. <laughs> tell you one thing, Jess Fox is kicking ass right now with these questions. Of course she is. Of course like, she is. I'm sorry, but I grew up in nil. Like, <laughs> I didn't even know France. Nah, that's, that's, that's mean to nil, but come on. I'm a little country girl from Victoria. That, that's fine. Uh, Alberville, 1992. Yeah, there you go. Do you want a true or false question? Yes. All right. No one's actually gotten this correct. Even okay. Jess Fox didn't get this correct. Oh, no. Okay. Tr true or false, Australia has won more Olympic medals than France. I want to say true just because I love us, but now I'm thinking that most people would have thought like that, so I'm going to say false. Correct. For the first time, we have had a correct answer to that one. Get on board it. There you go. Now... In terms of the history of the Summer Olympics, what is France's most successful Olympic sport in terms of medals won? Oh. I'm trying to think what French people do. We, we'll leave that one open-ended for people to answer at home. <laughs> um, okay. Um, I mean, oh, I really don't know. Go on, left field answer. Um, I mean, they're okay at rowing. It, maybe. It's not oh, rowing. Okay, it's not rowing. Um, Doesn't make the top three rowing, sadly. Oh, really? Actually, nah, fair enough. Um, oh, what would they be good at? I don't know. No, not swimming. Um, athletics? Fencing. Oh, yeah, duh. Yeah. Fencing. No, that makes so much sense. There you go. There you go. Um, last question. It's a prop one. I'll let you hold this. Yay. This is the Paris 2024 mascot. Can you tell me what it is and what's its name? <laughs> and if you don't know its name, give us what a name you would like to call it. Um... I really don't know what it is, and I just keep thinking of wildly inappropriate things. Hey, hey, Casarusso called it a poopy. Well, I was kind of like, it kind of looks... I've been told it looks like a uterus if you turn yeah. it upside down. Yeah, yeah, it looks like a uterus. There you go. There you go. The French uterus. Um, it's not a uterus, sadly. Sex ed. Yeah. <laughs> sex, ed. sex ed with Lucy Stefan. Woo! Um, and I'm going to call him... Little dude. Little dude. Well, it's sadly not called little dude. It's called Frige, and it's a Frisian cap. So if you want to put it on your head, it's a, like a, a oh, French. Oh yeah. French revolutionary cap. Yeah. Okay. But I feel like they've really thrown us with the little feet. I know. I thought it was a glove the first time I saw it, but now I can't stop seeing it as a uterus or yeah, a poo. It's a uterus. Yeah. It's a uterus. Exactly. Lucy, right. yeah. we'll end on a uterus. Why wouldn't you? Uh, thanks for joining us. Good luck in the year ahead, and uh, go towards Paris. Well. Thank you so much for having me. Now. 
so much fun there. And I should mention that obviously there's a bit of a visual element to those chats, particularly when I was asking them about Frege. And if you go to our social media pages, to our YouTubes, to our Instagrams, Twitters, Facebook, and coming soon, TikTok saying it's happening, you will be able to see some video versions of those. And we're going to have a little bit of fun of that last segment and kind of meshing them all together there for a bit of fun as well. So amazing chats there. Did have a bit of a word to each of them afterwards and hope that they will come on the show for a longer form chat. So potentially we can get some of them on the show in the lead up to Paris. But uh, appreciate their time on this show. Appreciate the time, of course, of Matt and Ian to answer our questions as well. And appreciate the Australian Olympic Committee for inviting us along to that function. So such an honour to be able to attend that, bring you some great extra content and really ramp it up for Paris 2024. I'm just getting excited. I'm hitting my hands here. I'm doing that. I'm doing this, everything else. And one thing I also want to quickly add as well, we do have coming up in a few days, and this is, of course, also not mentioned in the closing that I will throw back to in just a moment. The Women's World Cup is still going on strong. I've been including a few little videos on our social media pages of attending games and trying to bring a little bit of atmosphere out there. I'm planning to attend for the Matildas Canada game, which if you're listening to this on the day of release, is happening in only a couple of days' time. A watch party in Sydney by Canadian fans. Now, they had a watch party for the Canada-New Zealand game. Ah, sorry, Canada-Nigeria game. Would have been interesting if it was a Canada-New Zealand game. About a week ago, where over 60 people showed up, including the Canadian High Commission to Australia. So I've been speaking a little bit to the organiser during the week going to show up there and potentially film a little bit for our social media. Probably won't do anything in a podcast form. It will mainly just be for our social media channels. But we're going to try and get a bit of a gauge of some of the Canadian fans and their excitement and everything along those lines. We'll talk about it next week as you'll hear me tag what episode we've got coming up next week in just a moment. And maybe we will play a couple of those interviews on that episode depending on how they all go. So if you're a Canadian listening to us, now 50-50 Canadian-Australian love here and off the podium... Get excited because as an Australian, I'm going to be getting a Canadian angle in this country and try to work out who on earth I'm meant to be going for on Monday night. So just a bit of a teaser there going your way. I'm going to shut up, sort of, because I'm actually going to hand back to myself in order for us to wrap up this episode proper. And I'll just also add too, by the way, we've teased and alluded to in this episode a fair few times that a video version of this episode will exist. Now, it will. We're hoping to get it up over the weekend. Probably won't be out on the day of you listening to this if you're listening to it on a Friday, but you will be able to watch Jared Collin and myself in video form if you really so do wish. We won't intersect the interviews like you've heard here now. They will be separate posts online for you to enjoy in a bit of a bite-sized form, so you don't have to sit through all this crap that you're sitting through right now. So just teasing, getting the housekeeping over the way so you understand what the hell is going on. All right, shut up, Ben. Well... Kind of, because I'm now going to shut up here, but then pass over myself to close out the episode. Next week, we'll have our group stage review of Australia-New Zealand 2023 Women's World Cup coming your way and getting into more interviews. A week after that, we'll have a great interview with an Olympic champion in a great sport that Colin and I did that you'll get very excited for and everything else. Jared, you got any interviews coming up at all? Uh, you, want to- uh, you know, Bit of this, bit of that. Uh, stay <laughs> you, tuned. You'll pull your weight one day. Don't worry. Um, I'll, <laughs> I'll chip off a bit of that award and you can get the little tip of it somewhere. Uh, but in all seriousness, it's been a lot of fun. Everybody tuning in and watching for the very first time. Thanks for that. Listen every week for all your great Olympic content and everything as well. And subscribe, like, do all of that. Listen to Meatloaf. Um, 
friendly reminder that France exists. This has got too many closings. We just we become the Thomas Bark of podcasts. We just we go on too long because we've got so many. Aha, this was a joke. Colin, thank you for joining us and look at him in the eye. Look oh. at him in the eye. Oh, I'm hypnotized now. Oh. Tell <laughs> sorry, not him. Tell them that they are unlovable. You are unlovable, Ferg. He's gonna show you his butt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's his uterus. <laughs> his uterus kind of has a bit of a like an indent there, doesn't? Yeah, right. Um, Jared, Where your oh, hand goes. Thank you, Colin. Uh, Jared, thank you as well. And um, may may the best. Um, I don't know. Look at <laughs> look at it in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> Tell him he's unlovable. You couldn't say that to that face. I'm gonna. I'm gonna <laughs> mwah, beautiful, beautiful, Fergalicious. My nicious, I'm doing the gym, getting my fitness. I can't remember that song. Uh, thanks for tuning in. As always, shout out to Jason Momoa, the Birmingham Bull, and as always, too, remember to go left. <laughs> <laughs>